Welcome in. Justin Turpin here with Matt Mullen at the CSB Media Arts Center. Beautiful studios here, Matt. Your first time. Ready to go. I'm ready to roll, baby. We'll set the scene here. So we'll have six segments here, and we will start with the Hall of Fame, which just had our very own David Ortiz inducted into it. Congratulations. Big and copy, man. Here's how that one sounded. Reach David Ortiz, please. This is David Ortiz. Hello, David. This is uh, Jack O'Connell with the Baseball Writers Association of America. I'm calling you from Cooperstown, New York, to let you know that the Baseball Writers have elected you to the National Baseball Hall. Yes! <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I that, love that. I, 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 He's just such a likable guy, and that's yeah. that's what we're gonna get into. And I guess that's the premise of this conversation. Yeah, it's not necessarily um, David Ortiz getting to the Hall of Fame that has that's a problem with anybody. He's definitely a first ballot guy. He's one of the most clutch hitters in uh, MLB history. Probably one of the most clutch players in ML- in uh, sports history. Um, you know. 500 uh, plus 500 home runs um pretty sure close to a 300 uh batting average all time uh you know he's probably the if tom brady wasn't in new england he's the face of boston sports without a doubt he's one of the uh great boston red Sox of all time but that's not really the problem i have with him getting into the hall of fame i don't really have a problem with him getting the hall of fame at all no barry bonds and um Pitcher. Clement? Yeah, Roger Clement. I didn't know where you were going there. Yeah, I blanked on his name. Both of them are still out of the Hall of Fame, mainly because of uh, the PED steroid incident uh, that was uh, brought up in 2005. 2005, uh, steroids were banned from the MLB. And it's it's utterly ridiculous at this point to basically ban a whole generation of baseball players out because of steroids which by the way were legal in the MLB during the time that they were playing so how can you keep someone out for using something that was completely legal in the MLB there's two things about it that just make no sense to me one you have 394 ballots and it takes all day and one person gets in just one person. Tony Maserati has a ballot, too. I found that out yesterday. He has, one, a, he has a ballot on there. One person gets in. That's insane. Yeah. I, you have 394 votes and one guy gets in. And that's just another thing. That's just one, That's a side topic. But Barry Bonds, I mean, how do you not put this guy in? He's the all-time leader in walks, all-time leader in home runs, and he's a seven-time MVP. How do I mean, you not put that guy it's, in? It's honestly ridiculous at this point. Um Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, too. Like, if you gave me a list of those three guys, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and David Ortiz, we're discussing who's number one between Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. It's not – David Ortiz is third on the list. And I love David Ortiz, but he is third on that list. Barry Bonds is – he's not even close to Barry Bonds just because of how, how long he's been doing it, how consistent he's been doing it, his batting percentage, home runs – Everything and Roger Clemens is one of the uh, greater pitchers of the last like 20, 30 years, and it, it's utterly ridiculous the fact that these two people aren't in. Um, I mean, it, it's I honestly have no words at this point. I mean, what, the, the MLB Hall of Fame is a joke at this point. If you're not putting those two guys in and you're putting one guy on a ballot, I mean, what are we gonna do? Not have 
Alex Rodriguez into the Hall of Fame because he was on that list of players who uh, were caught for using steroids. And I he'll mean, get in. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll end up he'll getting get in. He'll get in. It makes sense that you know a guy like Pete Rose doesn't get in. That makes sense. Yeah. It kind of, I guess it makes more sense. I mean, what he did was wrong, morally wrong, and that's yep. part of the ballot. You have to have good sportsmanship, and you have to have kind of morals. And Barry Bonds, from what I've heard, not a great yeah. guy. No. he's a, From anything you've seen, not a great guy. But that you need to put the, that sportsmanship but, should not be on the ballot. Nothing like that should be me, on the let ballot. Let me just read this to you. From, so he, had, he was a seven-time MVP. Yep. He was first in offensive war from 1992 all the way to 2004. He was a six-time home run derby winner. He leads the MLB all-time in home runs, leads the MLB all-time in walks. How would you not put this guy in? He is a generational great, no yeah. matter what. I mean, you can't – if you're the MLB, you can't hide from the steroid era. Right. It happened. Everyone was doing it. Everybody was on steroids. And he never failed a league-issued test. Correct. Never failed it. That's what blows my mind the most. You have a guy who never failed – a league issued test never did it. There's no, there's no proof that he actually did it. There's speculation, and right. he was on that big list of people to watch, yeah. but there's no proof he yeah. did it. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't even have a. Pro- he he did it. Like he he used steroids. Yeah, but you don't but, have but any. Yeah, fit, yeah, like there's, the there's, no, there's no actual. There's exactly. no actual proof of it. Um, but I, even if he did do it, if there was proof, it doesn't matter. He still you, people don't realize, steroids. Yes, they make you a better player. For a longer it's amount of still time, still hard. It, it, yeah, when when you get older, like you you're able to hit for more power, all that stuff. You still he still hit thirty percent of the time. He hit above three hundred when he was. It's not like he was, you know, Mike Napoli hitting for like two hundred, but then every hit he had was like a home run. It wasn't anything like that. You still have to be able to hit the ball on a consistent basis, and he was one of the best at hitting the ball. It, it's like. Remember that uh, Terry Crews uh, when he was in the softball game, the All Star game, like, uh, and he's 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 insanely jacked, and he struck out in softball. You still have to be able to just because you're big doesn't mean you can hit the ball. You, have, you still have to be able to hit the ball. It's all about timing and stuff, though. It's like this dude. This is why I bring up the walks. People are like, "Oh, he led all the time in walks. Who cares?" That's impressive. You have it's to have a tremendous eye walk. for. The ball to, to you have to, to be one hell of a batter to lead in home runs and walks, and it just blows my mind. I mean, the NFL has guys like O.J. Simpson in the Hall of Fame. That's who that's what I'm saying. Freaking murdered I, somebody. Yeah, but Barry Bonds isn't in it. Yeah, it's it's like O.J. was in it before, but you could still take people out yes. of the Hall of Fame, and the yes. NFL still has it. But I'm not even going to go into NFL because the NFL like that's more of a, a shady organization than the MLB because the NFL tolerates a lot of murders and yeah. You know, well, they almost they almost put Darren Sharper in who was exactly uh, accused of rape. Exactly, it, it's th- th- those are two different worlds in terms of what they tolerate and what they don't tolerate. The problem I have with it is that when I look at the criteria for the MLB, part of it is sportsmanship. And you know how how basically how nice you were in the MLB. It's not golf. Golf's I, the gentleman's I game. I don't give a crap whether you are nice or not. Do, if you hit above three hundred or close to above three hundred your career, and you were the all-time home run uh, leader, you're in the Hall of Fame. It's not like Barry Bonds being in the Hall of Fame isn't close. You're not going to let him in because he wasn't a nice guy. And he allegedly did steroids, which everybody was doing. The, the, the playing field's even. The Hall of Fame is about 
the history of the game. He is a key component in the history of the you game. You can't write. And so is the steroid era. Yeah, the it's ster- all part of it. Yeah. J- just because you don't like that part of the MLB, too bad. That that was a part of the MLB history. You can't get rid of it because, oh, like, you know, it, that that's morally wrong. You can't be doing steroids, all that stuff. It, do- it doesn't matter. Everybody was doing it. Every single person in that steroid era. Or like, probably, like, I would say, 80% of baseball players, including pitchers, were doing steroids during that era. So if, if that's the case, the playing field's even. If everybody's doing steroids at that time, or most people doing steroids at that time, then it really doesn't matter whether one person was doing steroids or not. So you're going to look at the record books, and you're going to see this guy's name painted all over it in Barry Bonds. Right. You go to the Hall of Fame, and he's not going to have a plaque? It's... I, I, have you ever gone, been to Cooperstown? Have you ever done the MLB no, Hall of Fame? No, I've always I, wanted to do I, I it. To. I, I think I want to do pro- it. This we should probably do it when this Ortiz. Yeah. I want to go when Ortiz yeah. is getting inducted. Yeah. That's going to be something to watch. I've never been, but if it's anything like, it's like you see these guys. You like you'll have Barry Bonds at bat whenever he set the record or whatever, right. whatever it may be. They probably don't have it because he's held the record for that long, and that's one of those uh, records. Do, do that they have Kurt Schilling's uh, bloody saga? I, I like. would assume so. Yeah, and he's I, another I, guy that's yeah. not in. He, yeah. I get there's Kurt Schilling propaganda all over there. Maybe not his political views because yeah, they don't yeah, want yeah, you yeah. seeing those. But there's his propaganda, his gloves, his ball. The bloody chalk has to be there because yeah. the Red Sox don't really have a team Hall of Fame. Right. So where else is that sock going to be? It's not thrown away. They didn't wash it. Yeah, that's no, in the they, Hall of Fame somewhere. That's in Cooperstown. Yeah. So he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Granted, that's like one moment, but Kurt Schilling is another guy who yeah. some would say he's borderline, and this is a good segue into the yeah. next yeah, point, so but I think he should have been in. Yeah. I'm more on the fence about Kurt Schilling just because I think he he wasn't quite there, but if he got in, I also wouldn't be mad. Like It's not like he was like a terrible baseball player. Like He, well, he, he well-deserved. He, he, he was a top ace in the league for a good long time, and the reason why – you're not putting him on your ballot is because of his political views and stuff he said. Like, no, his I his post retirement, like, I mean, uh, yes, yeah. he's been a tough guy to like post retirement. Right. There's been a lot going on. I mean, political views aside, I mean, what he tried to do the gaming thing, right? The the gaming and gambling, yeah, something thing, like and that. He, it completely flopped. But the guy played in 12 postseason series. He won. His team won 10 of them, and he was 11 and two with a 2.23 ERA in postseason. Elimination games. Right. That's damn good. Yeah, and it's hard to be a, still be an ace in the playoffs. Exactly. That's a guy that I think should get in. You know, especially, I, I had to re-harp on it. You have 400 writers and one guy gets in. Last yeah. year, nobody gets in. You had nobody inducted last year. This year, you get one. There should be a minimum. Like, every year, you should see someone. There, the game of baseball has been along way too long to not have somebody in the Hall of Fame each year. Right. A minimum, of like, I would say, at least five. There's yeah. just been too the, many great the on, players. The only thing is, if you put a minimum of five, then you put then you kind of have to, you're forcing uh, players that probably would be borderline getting in, then putting them. In. Well, I'm, I, ju- I I'm just say, I'm just I would say, I, yeah yeah I would say I would say two maybe three if they deserve because you can't just like force people in there because you need to meet the quota of like the number uh, to of Hall of Famers to get into the Hall of Fame. If they deserve to be in, they should be in. Put oh. your feelings aside just because you don't like the guy. It doesn't matter. None well, of that with matters. With all the talent. Are you good enough to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Does your career show that? Does your career reflect that? Can you tell the story of the MLB without, with or without this person? No, and that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because that's what we were talking about with Barry Bonds. Right. You cannot tell the story of the MLB without including Barry Bonds, it, and he's not in there. He, he's one of the bigger 
what probably the last big pop culture icon from the MLB because the MLB nowadays, Mike Trout isn't a pop culture icon. He he's not. He, well, like, he's a, he's a big guy, but like I would say Tatis Jr. is more of a, a more of a a pop culture like a, a well known. To be fair, nowadays the MLB just really isn't known in general. Well, and that's but the like thing. the Barry I, Bonds. I would disagree with Barry that, Bonds but. is just the last like. I mean, he's like I'm not saying you know just to be mentioned in a rap song like that, that's the reason he'd be in the Hall of Fame, but I'm saying like he he's mentioned in like a lot of uh, like rap songs, all that stuff. He's still relevant in pop culture. People just know you say Barry Bonds, they just know that name. And here's the thing, the argument of to why people don't really know Mike Trout or Shohei Otani or even Tatis. You know, you see Tatis and Otani more on Instagram highlights right. and Twitter or TikTok, wherever you may see right, it. Right, right. That's where a lot of people get their information now. Exactly. There's a, there's a few left like us that watch all the games. Yeah, exactly. I love watching baseball. I love baseball. I will watch like I love when the Red Sox play at 7, end at like 10.30. Mm-hmm. I'll flip on a West Coast game until I fall asleep. So I'll watch a lot of those teams. And the problem is, is what people say like, oh, Trout and Otani don't get the national attention because they're on the West Coast. They play – at 10.30, 10 o'clock, they play late. Nobody on the East Coast watches those games. Right. Well, let's not forget, Barry Bonds played in San Francisco. Exactly. And he still got the attention. Well, the, well, the thing was with Barry Bonds, he played in an era where baseball was still, you know, relevant uh, countrywide. Nowadays, it's really not that relevant anymore as a broad perspective. People who like baseball will watch baseball, but the attention span – of a lot of this younger generation, they won't even be playing baseball. Never mind watching baseball. They they don't like watching a four hour game, and I think that's that that's the reason why Barry Bonds truly is probably going to be the last guy where just like he's like on the level of just people being known. Like he's on the level of Tom Brady, Michael Jordan. Not not I'm ter- not talking about play. Like those are all like those are like goats. But I'm talking about Barry Bonds. Just the name recognition. We don't have a lot of name recognition in the MLB, and he really is the last guy. Like. It, the fact it's just i cannot believe that he is not in the hall of fame like it, it's taking them this long it, was this his last year this is it so he's off the ballot now so he is done no hall of fame for Barry Bonds the, which the, is just the, a disservice to baseball there, it really is it, that that's what it, the hall of fame's a joke like the MLB hall of fame's a joke and that's the thing though it's like everyone you'll look at like, do I even want to go to Cooperstown at this point? <laughs> no, I would, li- I would like to go. I mean, there's definitely some people that de- – Big Poppy deserved to be in there, and that's not even on Boston Bias. The guy won three titles, was arguably the best yeah, that, that's, designated that's, hitter That's ever. not the problem. It's, he well-deserved to be in there. It's like yes, and the gu- that's it, it's, the thing. It's is, the guys that didn't get in there that deserve that it even be. more than Ortiz. That should be. And I think we're passing, kind of turning the corner on the controversy. I can't really think off the top of my head. Maybe we see A-Rod get run into some controversy here Manny. with his steroid. Manny. 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 Manny should definitely be in the Hall of Fame, but I could see him being another guy where they, he, he getting popped for PEDs so many times that they don't let him in. I think like Manny and A-Rod would be the ones to watch, but I think we're kind of turning the corner where we won't see a ton of guys that – with, with like Barry Bonds, like mm-hmm. Pete Rose, like we won't see that kind of controversy where like Barry Bonds, you have an all-time great in Barry Bonds, the all-time home run leader, the all-time right. stolen uh, base on balls leader, right? And he didn't get in. I think we're turning the point on that kind of controversy, and we won't see that again. I don't think because you know well, yeah, now they now, crack down so much, yeah, more on exactly. PEDs and stuff like that. It's hard to. I still think A Rod will get in, and if A Rod gets in, if Barry doesn't, it's. A Rod shouldn't get in solely because of his. He he could have got in this year. If I'm not he shouldn't he shouldn't get in because of his work in the booth. 
<laughs> his work in the booth is horrendous. Um, when the, when they had the Yankees uh, Red Sox uh, one game playoff this the year, and they, had, they had they had oh. uh, they didn't they ha- was it a Rod in the studio or uh, was it uh, Ortiz? It was one of the two. Uh, uh, Ortiz was on the pregame. Ortiz right. doesn't. Ortiz I, always. A Rod was too. A Rod. They were both this, on Yaki. If this if this happens again, where you have a playoff game with the uh, Red Sox and the Yankees. You need to have Ortiz and A Rod in the studio, same studio together, with like you know one actual like announcer mediator. That would be that. That's prime television right there to have two ex MLB, ex Red Sox and ex Yankee players. I want to see that so bad because you know when something happens there in the game, like you know Ortiz, Ortiz freaks out. Like I, I don't know how he's on live uh, television announcing games because I've seen him on live to- television uh, announcing games and like. Uh, I remember Mookie hit like a home run, and then they had cut to Ortiz, and he's he's freaking out in the studio. I was like, I can't, I don't know how we could be on that. We got to take a break here, but I do want to leave you with one more question. Right. Who's worse in the booth, John Smoltz or A Rod? Mm. I'd have to say A Rod. I'd I, have to say A Rod. I don't know. I couldn't. A Rod's pretty bad. I would rather I would rather listen on mute. I don't I don't get the hatred on Joe Buck. Joe Buck is a baseball great. Yeah. Postseason the, Joe Buck is there's nothing but I think he's great with football too, yeah. like people the, like always like yeah. hating on Joe Buck. No, well, Aaron well, well, Smoltz well, are thing, terrible. Well, well, the thing about Joe Buck is that uh, a lot of the times during like World Series, like he'll just be saying stuff that's completely obvious to everybody. Like, he could be like, I think if the Red Sox keep the lead for the rest of the game, they will win. Well, that's and that's <laughs> Smoltz as well though. But that's the thing is like, Joe Buck is a play-by-play guy. He right. during the World Series. I think he's this better, dude I think will he's do Thursday night football. Than he is MLB. He'll do Thursday night football. He'll fly game game two, three, whatever is on mm-hmm. a Friday. He'll do the World Series. He'll do football again Sunday, and then the next day he'll do another World Series. It's incredible. The dude. No, he's hard. definitely he's definitely a workhorse. And you know, he's I give him so much credit. I think he is actually one of the better commentators. But we're gonna take a break here, and we come back. We'll touch on the Patriots a little bit. What do they need moving forward, and what do you want to see them do? You're listening to the Red Line Podcast. All right, welcome back in. Justin Turpin and Matt Mullen here. All right, Matt, I'm going to ask you first. Was this Patriots season a success? No. Why? The only reason I'll say no is because of how badly it ended. And if it was more of a a closer game with the Bills... Then I would probably say, yeah, it was, it was it was more of a success. I didn't expect really, like realistically, I didn't expect to beat the Bills, but I expected it to be more competitive, De- definitely much more competitive. And they just blew our doors off. And the fact of the matter is, when I look at the league and I look at the AFC, they got a lot of work to do. A lot, and it's it's more about Mac Jones, not necessarily that he's a bad quarterback, but is he gonna be? Mahomes, Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Is he going to be one of those guys? So any of those guys on this team probably could have elevated you past the Bills, in my opinion. Because no matter how much you game plan for a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you saw against the Bills, it doesn't matter. The, the court, if you have the guy at quarterback, one of those elite guys, he will get you out of – any mistakes you make on defense, no matter how 
big plays you let up, he will just he'll he'll bail you out of it. And that's what Brady was doing for a lot of the time. And I'm saying I'm not saying any of our defenses were, you know, terrible, but Brady bailed you out of a lot of games where you had no business winning, like the, like the Charger game, um, in the uh, late two thousands where we were down, like not a lot of time left, and he just brought us back in that game, and he had a, a game no business winning. He also did that with the Bucks this year, game they had no business winning at that point, and he was able to get back into the game. And of course, you know, the the secondary, the Buccaneers, uh, you know, blew that game, but that's neither here nor there. And I don't think Mac is there yet. I think he's more of a guy where if he has a lot of things around him and elite defense, you might be able to get into the playoffs one of those years and go on a run. But to be consistent, I think you need one of those really elite guys. And I'm not saying Mac can't be one of those guys eventually. He's definitely going to have to work on it, but it's more of an uphill climb for him because he just doesn't have the natural physical ability or the height. Yeah, I'm going to say it wasn't a success for the Patriots either. I mean, you cannot go into a playoff game against a division rival who people were saying the Patriots broke the Bills after that Monday night win. Oh, yeah. Morally broke them. Like, like mentally, you broke them. You ran, the, you passed the ball three times and beat this team that's supposed to be now the kings of the AFC East. Right. And then you get flat out embarrassed against them in the playoffs in a game that I, I thought they had a chance to win. Right. And a lot of people thought they had a chance to win. I think it just shows this team has so much more to go. They have a lot of work to do. And quite frankly, I, I just don't know how long it's going to take them. This right. this rebuild could take longer. Than, people were saying after they got on the run, run after so after the Bucks lost, they went on that seven – or excuse me, after the Cowboys lost, they went on that seven-game win streak, mm-hmm. hit the bye week. I'm really curious as to what happened during the bye week. What happened? I mean – You came out after – and they it just weren't the same team. I remember Mac Jones saying they felt sorry for themselves. Yeah, it wasn't even that. It was um, he was saying they had a couple bad practices. Stuff like yeah, yeah, feeling sorry, getting down on themselves. You're um, on a seven game win streak. Exactly. What do you and mean? It, it, I I honestly don't know what happened because it had to have happened in that bye week where they just like really they didn't you know they weren't gelling as well as they were during that seven game streak. And it's like they they beat up on a lot of crappy teams. But it wasn't like, you know, the, 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 as bad as the uh, Browns are ran, as bad as Baker Mayfield is, they're not a terrible team. They're not, they're not that bad of a defense either. And they really weren't be able to create pressure on the Pats. You know, the offensive line was doing good throughout the whole seven-game win streak. They were, they were looking really good. And I fell victim to believing in that defense when that defense facing any adversity – wouldn't get off the field. Well, that's the thing, is this team has a lot of work to do. you you got to get Mac a true wide receiver one, and we'll talk about that down the stretch. What about you know Calvin Ridley maybe? You've got some free yep. agents hitting the market, but we'll see what they do. But you also have a big problem on defense. Mm-hmm. Your linebackers are old and too slow. Dante Hightower. They got a, they got a Wonderful draft. Patriot. Great Patriot. Really is. But he's got to go. Yeah. I, he's got to go. At least for the money. No, it's not even that. It's just he's not good. He's too yeah. slow. He's just that 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 front that the, the linebackers in the corner, the safeties and corners, the back, the secondary, they're just getting too old. They're getting to the point where you can't trot these guys right. out there anymore. Especially like you said, you have a linebackers are important when you're playing guys like Mahomes, mm-hmm. like Josh Allen. You're gonna see these guys. You have to be able to contain them. Mm-hmm. Without a, with the slow linebacker, it's just 
it's not it's not going to happen. And I just think this Patriots rebuild could be longer than people expected. What annoys me the most is that Bill will never evaluate his talent to the modern game, and it thinks that he needs a linebackers like Dante Hightower, those kind of like you know six three six four linebackers that are big hulking, you know, uh, gap stuffing guys, and there's so, the linebackers you see in the NFL today are guys that can go from sideline to sideline and, you know, freaks of nature just sprinting all over the field. You can, even if they're not disciplined on film, you can make those guys disciplined if you put them in a good enough structure, which is you, 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 there is no better structure in the NFL besides the Patriots, especially defensively. There is no better structure defensively than the, than the Patriots, in my opinion. When Bill is running the defense. Well, and that's the thing is I think the defense is the bigger problem than the offense. And there's tons of confusion. Maybe there was too many chefs in the kitchen on the defensive coordinator right. front. Maybe, you know, there were reports that even Bill Belichick took over calling the defense when they were struggling. When During the wind, uh, wind streak, he was calling the defense, ended up giving it back. There, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. Everyone knows it's a committee. Yeah. And there's not just one guy that runs this defense. And that's the thing is – you know, when you, you don't have the same coach, it's like you need – there's a big thing. When you move on from a coach, it's the tendencies. You get – it's chemistry with the coach is just as important with the player. Mm-hmm. If you don't have chemistry with the coach, you're going to struggle. When you're making constant changes on the defensive end on who's coaching this team, it's a problem. Maybe there was right. too many chefs in the kitchen. I don't know. But personally, they don't have, I don't think they have the horses for it. Either, either Bill needs to take over the defense for a whole year again or they need to actually hire uh, – a good established defensive coordinator that's going to run a uh, competitive defense. Well, Belichick's in, turning seventy. Out. I would I would lean the latter. How? What, why are you going to give this guy the defense? Whatever you do, just don't give it to your son. Your son doesn't know how to call plays. Well, did you see that thing um, with all the family members in the NFL, all the coaches? Yeah, crazy. Like a hundred and eleven or something relationships. It's insane. It's like. Steve Belichick can go get a job at a D1 school w- without content just because of who Bill knows. Well, he's he, also been on the, the staff since high school. He exactly. was he was a quality control coach. He, he, just just go put him in an NCAA, uh, you know, D1 school, have him coach for a few years, and have him go. The reason why he's defensive coordinator is because he wants to get a head coaching job somewhere else. It's not to take over the role. Josh McDaniels most likely will take over that role. Well, Josh not. McDaniels going to Las Vegas. Allegedly. I think he's hired tomorrow, and we'll have to get into that in just a minute here. Yeah. Uh, does that help or hurt yeah. Mac Jones? But we'll finish up this defense here. Right. But the point being, besides, you know, just Stephen Belichick, they just got to get rid of him and either. Bill needs to take over because he actually is the, he's the defensive mind that, you know, can elevate a team to, you know, Super Bowl championship Yeah, but he needs level. the horses to do it. He doesn't have it right now. You know, they, they – Need the linebackers are a huge problem. Every when you think of a defense, you think of what position first? Defensive end, in my opinion. And your well, Lawrence Taylor sets, but he's kind of a linebacker too, an outside well, linebacker yeah, outside, as well. Outside, outside, linebacker, outside linebacker, edge linebacker. You would just have to be extra there yeah. and say edge rusher or outside linebacker or whatever. But yeah. you think of linebackers is what yes. you typically think of. Biggest name defensive players in the league, you morally think linebackers, yeah. especially well, except for Aaron Donald. You see the guy lining I mean, he, up as a defensive he, end. As a, he was a, he's a defensive tackle. Was lining up as a DN last week. 
That's crazy. I I think of Aaron Donald as a defensive end more than I do defensive tackle. I don't know why. He's a freak of nature, is what he is. He could, he could play. He could play outside linebacker if he really wanted to. He's he's incredibly fast, incredibly athletic, and he's and Bill. Hey, he's six foot. You think Bill Belichick will go after Aaron Donald in the draft? Nope. He's undersized. He's too small. And that's the problem with Bill Belichick drafting these days is because he over, he he underlooks a How lot of these guys. How could you be tough on Bill are... Belichick right now though after a great draft last year? Well, no, no, year. no. I'm saying he drafted he drafted great this year, but what did he draft? He drafted a quarterback that he needed. He drafted a defensive tackle that he needed that fits his criteria that also went to Bama. And he that was damn a, good. And he, yeah, and he drafted a running back, but he's oh, he's underlooking a lot of these guys, especially coming into this draft. There's a um, a linebacker for. Georgia, I want to say, I forget his name, but he's. Like, I remember watching. He's like he's a, he's like six one, six foot, but he's incredibly fast. Covers both sides of the field. Uh, Devin White, he's six foot, six one. Like Bill Belichick wouldn't have drafted that guy because he's under quote unquote undersized, and you can't o- overlook those guys because of their size, their stature. You have to look at what they do on the field, and how the NFL is evolving because you need speed. Speed kills in the NFL now. It's all about speed. How fast are your linebackers, and can they, can, can they cover like safeties and hit like linemen? That's what uh, linebackers are today. you got to be able to cover a tight end but also be able to you know force a fumble and get, get a ball out, just – Lay down and a stick. Real quick, back to the original point, but we, before we switch gears into Josh McDaniels, this Patriot season was really divided into four spo- uh, into four sections. Right. You have the quarterback competition, which ultimately hurt them. You know, uh, there was a couple players that came out at the end of the season that said they didn't get enough reps with Mac or a lot of reps with Mac until mm-hmm. he became the starter. It, Cam was getting all the QB one reps yeah. all summer long, which ended up hurting the Patriots because they didn't find their stride until what. They didn't find it until what week? week five, looking six. at it, week six probably because they didn't have it against Houston. That's for sure. Yeah. When they beat Houston, that, that was the, the one, Jets doesn't that count. The, the Jets is a JV team. That was the one comeback they actually fulfilled all season. Every every other time. Well, they and everyone knew those. The Patriots' offense and Mac Jones were not built to come from behind. Well, the th- here's the thing. I think Mac Jones can do those things and he has done those things when he doesn't get off to a hot start he gets off to a a nice uh really good you know he finishes the second half and fourth quarter well but every single time that happens you the defense has uh, just needs to get a third down stop they need to get off the field and put the ball back in mac jones heads and see what he does if he doesn't do well fine it was was an honest debate whether or not you had more trust in the patriots offense or the Patriots' defense, and the defense at the end was of last year. The defense was supposed to be the exactly. strength. Well, going that's into the thing the is when you have a rookie quarterback, and the Patriots didn't do this all year. They never helped their rookie quarterback. Something's out of their control. Remember in the Houston game, they had four or five reserve offensive linemen. Right. That makes it tough on a quarterback to communicate. That that that's more of a that was more. Well, of that's a not I'm saying, but yeah. that's out of their control. I, yeah, I said yeah, some yeah, things yeah, were out yeah. of control, but. Yeah. To finish that point, you know, you have four or five reserve linemen. That's a tough from the communication standpoint. You get a defense that really can't help them. You know, they can't get off the field. The defense is on the field because they can't stop a nosebleed towards the end of the season when you need to help the rookie quarterback. Drop balls all year long. You never really got him a 1A. Sure, Jacoby Myers, great weapon. Kendrick Bourne, great weapon for what we want to use him. And I think Kendrick Bourne has the most ability out of this Patriots offense to evolve 
and get the closest thing to a wide receiver one until they, they're going to have to get one. They cannot cheap out and not get a wide right. receiver one. I mean, you completely whiffed on Janu. So maybe that was the thing is everyone expecting a big year from Janu. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the thing is like coming out of Tennessee, it's like, all right, maybe this guy was underutilized there. I don't know what it is. He's really well, he plays really well in the play action game and they didn't really use it. He's also one of the great, greatest players in the league when he has the ball. After the catch. Yeah. He's an athletic guy. He's a receiver and a tight plays tight end. Well, you need he's to catch, a great blocker. You need to catch, need to catch it. Exactly the point. They try getting creative with end arounds and screen passes, whatever it is. Right. But he couldn't get out of his own way. Remember what was the Saints game? They had him on the little out route. He's doing a little out right. and he tips it up in the air and it goes for a pick six. Yeah, That's it's... the toughest type of stuff. I mean, you're not helping the rookie quarterback, which is I mean, yes, he, he played he was at Alabama, he played his senior year. Came in, he's, what, 23 years old, so I guess there's, like, some maturity there. Still a rookie quarterback. I mean, the the, the speed in the NFL is nothing compared to uh, – it, college is nothing compared to the NFL, rather. Mm-hmm. It's such a big difference, and they just didn't help the rookie quarterback at all, and that's a problem. You need to help this guy. So in terms of Mac Jones, I think it's a success. And this back to my original point with the four, uh, four different parts of the season. Then you get the losing, you start off – Start off uh, slow. You go one and three. Mm. Then you hit the win streak after the Cowboys game. And then the bye week. And then the postseason collapse. It's just all four right. stories. I mean, the after the bye week, it was incredible. You, they ended up going one and three after the bye week with their only win coming against the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had, not the division, the one seed locked yes. up. Yeah. You had it locked up. After you, well, that was the thing. If they were to beat Buffalo, they, the, at Gillette, they won they, the if division. They, if they had just beaten, um, I'm honestly glad they lost to uh, the Colts and Buffalo. If they had won one of those games, that would mean Miami would have been the deciding game of whether you got the division. And if you were to lose lose that, it would have been even worse of a story. I think I, I I'd actually disagree with that. You know, because Miami's always been a house of horrors for the Patriots especially late in the season. And they they well they did it actually at home even in 2019. Patriots hosted the Dolphins. Remember Ryan Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. Mike Gesicki with like 13 seconds left. Dolphins won the game. Patriots lost yeah. the one seed. Chiefs got it. Then the uh, Patriots hosted the Titans and that was it for Brady in New England. But as far as like this team goes, it's just they couldn't get it done down the stretch. They had plenty of opportunities. They controlled their own destiny, and that's all you can ask for as a team. You control. They didn't need help. They had the division. They beat Buffalo on the Monday night. That was it. They won. If they beat them in Buffalo in, in New England, they won the division. Yeah. And we're talking. I think we are talking completely different. There's people that might have jumped the gun a little bit, saying the Patriots are legit Super Bowl contenders. It's just been such a flip flop thing. Is where you know people were saying, "Oh, Patriots, Bucks, Super Bowl. Oh, Patriots are actually going to go to the AFC Championship yeah. game." No, none of them. Are but now playoffs. everyone's like, "All right." This rebuild might take a little longer because the defense got exposed. And not saying they didn't play any good teams, but like look at look who they played over their win streak. I mean, it starts with the Jets, the Chargers, and Bill Belichick owns owns the Chargers. Let's not forget that they shut out the he, Chargers he owns last Justin year Herbert. with yes, exactly owns with Cam Newton at quarterback. Then you play the Carolina Panthers. Are you really scared of that team? Yeah. No, no. When they announced when they announced uh, Sam Darnold as the uh, starter again, I was like. That's a win. You can play the Cleveland Browns, who, in my opinion, are not a good football team. Baker Mayfield's not a good quarterback. That was a good win, though, because of how well they played. Right. 45-7 to win, so I'll give them that one. They shut out the Atlanta Falcons. 
but that scores in it, like it's it's inflated a little bit because remember Felipe Franks was the quarterback. Right. It was like a, a pick it was like a fourteen. They score. It was a fourteen like nothing yeah. game. They added insurance points at the end. So you look at that. It was actually it should have been like a fourteen sixteen nothing game, yeah. not a twenty five nothing game. You look at that. You're looking at it and talking about it completely different. That's not a blowout win. That's not a dominant win. Yeah. The offense didn't play great. You put up fourteen points. You put. Yeah. There was there the, was the, all the, the because the, the field goal. It yeah. was actually it was. They had the field goal and then the Van Noy uh, score. So yeah. it was a 16-point game because they missed the extra point. So it was should have been a 16 nothing game. Yeah. And you're looking at that differently. I mean, the, the, the only good thing you could really say about that game is that it was um, on a short week. That was pretty much the only yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, that's true. On a, yeah. With a rookie quarterback on the road in a short week. Yeah. Then you go to the Titans. I want to say that's a good win because they were the one seed. No. But were the Titans a good team? It's a fake win. The Titans are good. No, the Titans were not a good team. They didn't have Derrick Henry, Julio, or AJ Brown. And you let uh, like Dontrell Hilliard and uh, Deontay Foreman run all over you. They, yeah, they both. They you had two running backs. Running, they had three receivers running. active if, that game. If their running back knows how to hold on to the ball, you that that game's way closer than it should. Well, the be. reason I give that kind of credit for a good win is because they couldn't really. You can't run the ball on the Titans. They are very good. They're very strong up front. So Mac won that with his arm, you know, 289 yards on the game. That's pretty impressive for the rookie quarterback, a guy who said nobody thought can really throw. And everyone's like, oh, Mac Jones doesn't throw the ball deep. Mac Jones can't win with his arm. Yeah. And he does that. That's why I kind of give that, all right, that's that's a good win for the team. But they had Titans three. also don't really have that good of a defense. I mean, They have a good front seven. Yeah, they could for good front seven, but, I mean, that, that has nothing to do with the, the coverage. If you can hold – the, the offensive well, line was doing – Well, that's the thing. They had a lean on the, Mac's arm. It doesn't matter. It's an NFL game. Yeah. So the point is that they couldn't run the ball. They had to get away with what they had to get away from what they're comfortable with in running the ball and finishing up here. Then they beat the Bills, and then you hit the bye week. So that I consider that Bills game that's a win. That's actually a great win. No, yeah, that that because you win it throwing the ball three win. times. That's a legit win. I don't care about the weather, but after that you just collapse. So it's that's a legit win with a, a half a asterisk on it, only because of how bad the weather was, and. How, because going into it, they the Bills already planned like, all right, we're not gonna like let Josh Allen throw that many times. We don't want the wind affecting and giving them turnovers and stuff like that. And it didn't really affect Josh Allen at all because when he started throwing in the second half, he was actually dealing, and he threw a touchdown right in Stephon. It was either Kevin Knox or, or um, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox or um, uh, Stephon Diggs right in the end zone, right near the end of the game. And he dropped it. It's just, and then wrapping it up real quick, we got to take another break. But uh, they lose to the Colts. Then they have that that Buffalo game in Gillette was embarrassing. They got and embarrassed the, and, that one. And the fact is, they here's the thing about Josh Allen. He wants to be bad. He wants to be bad at the end of the games. He can't help but being bad at the end. Oh, of the, the games. Patriots had their opportunities to win that game. He and gave couldn't you do it. The game. He threw it. J.C. Jackson right of all people ja- it. He I know. threw it right I at J.C. Like that's six right there. And the thing, the thing about Josh Allen, I love Josh Allen. He's a, he's a great quarterback. But if you put pressure on him, and you make it a one score game near the end of the game, he is going to mess up. It's the matter of capitalizing and making sure you know when he's going to mess up and, and take advantage of when he's going to mess. He's going to mess up every time. He's going to mess up, at least against the Pats. And Yeah, and then wrapping up here, you got the Jaguars. They win 50-10 to 10 in that game, but the Jacksonville Jaguars. I it, mean, are we really going to get excited? No, 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 not, no, no we're no, not. No, I'm not even and then you lose to the Dolphins. You lose to the Dolphins, 33-24, in a game that they left their starters in 
when they didn't necessarily need to because their seating was locked in. Yeah. They left their starters and they got nothing going that game. They yeah. was another ugly game in Flores. I mean, I would have kept them in Miami for multiple reasons. We'll get to the head coaching carousel uh, next hour, but man, yeah, like what? Get rid of that guy after how well he plays, Belichick. I don't get it. But also, all I'm saying about that week, the Patriots are lucky the Jets didn't scrape out a win there because it was looking close near the end of that fourth quarter. It was. Jets. If the Jets had won that game, the whole story is like, wow, the Patriots couldn't close out against Miami when the Bills basically gave them the division losing to the Jets. Yep. That would have been terrible. Well, in the end, you know, they just controlled their own destiny and couldn't get it done. Yeah. But coming up next, I mean, we got still a lot to get to. We got the Celtics, a possible trade Mm -hmm. with an old friend, Danny Ainge. Possibly. Maybe. That's coming up next. Well, I said we were going to get into the Celtics, and I want to start off by saying that song is not by Aaron Neesmith. That'd be by Aerosmith. <laughs> That's back in the saddle again by Aaron Aerosmith, not Aaron Neesmith on the Celtics. All right. Well, speaking of those Celtics, busy, busy, busy two weeks coming up. Just 13 days until the trade deadline, and this was actually Ime Udoka. Uh, just last week on the trade deadline and how much he wants to be involved in it. How much do you anticipate or even want to have uh, input over these next few weeks as Brad's looking at ways to maybe upgrade or alter this roster? How much do you want to be kind of involved in even the discussion? Yeah, I'm sure he's having much more than we talk about, but we are talking daily about any news that comes up. Um, But at the same time, his phone is ringing off the hook and vice versa and so you're not going to obviously talk about everything that teams talk about uh some things that aren't aren't realistic but anything that's starting to you know possibly have an impact obviously we'll talk about it and run through some things and where we're at overall and what we'd like to improve on and so those are discussions we have daily but he's taken you know he took probably 10 phone calls after our game last night and so um, those things we don't always talk about nothing realistic do you hear that the big part in that his phone is ringing off the hook. Trader, da- uh, t- Trader Brad, excuse me. I'm so used to saying Trader B- Danny. Yeah. It's now Trader Brad. Um, a couple moves. He brought in Bull Bull. And um, so we know he's willing to make moves. So let's start with this one. Marcus Smart to the Dallas Mavericks. Ben Linked, what do you got on that one? Uh, from my understanding, it's, uh, a lot of Jalen Brunson talk, which I think would be a pretty fair trade. Both of them, uh, oh, Marcus Smart's on a, uh, more lengthier contract. Jalen Brunson's going into free agency. It'd be a one-year rental. Uh, you wouldn't have, uh, anybody's contract. You wouldn't have, uh, Dennis Schroeder's contract or you would, and you wouldn't have, uh, Jalen Brunson's contract by the end of the next offseason, freeing up Well, that's the thing is, the Schroeder is one that I definitely want to move. Right. The guy's only on a one-year deal. He could have gotten a lot more money before, but he didn't take it. He's on a one-year deal. I can see him moving, and I think he can get good value out of a guy like Dennis Schroeder. So that's somebody I'd like to see them move on to. Marcus Smart's an interesting one. 
just what two months ago he called out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for not passing the ball. That's the stuff you can't also, piss off your also, superstars. It's also a game where Marcus Smart did not have one assist, and he said that after that game. Yes, it's just you know you can't piss off your superstars. And tell me if you agree with this. Brad Stevens created a monster in Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart not now in a believes. Good way either. No, 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 yeah. in a terrible way, like a, a, a legitimately scary monster that you Ego-tisco wouldn't want to see. Mar- monster. Yes, an egotistical. That's a perfect word to say. You know why? Because Marcus Smart now just thinks that he deserves a seat at the table. He Where, thinks it's a big three, and it's it's not Jalen and Jason. It's two pillars. Ime Udoka said it the other night, and he said it perfectly. That's it goes through the two pillars: Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Those are your pillars. Marcus Smart, you do not have a. I love Marcus Smart, and I know we wanted to get into this heart and soul, and we'll get into it. A lot to touch on the Celtics, and I'm sure you and uh, listeners here missed our Celtics talks. I love talking seas, and so does Moen here. So, I love complaining about the Celtics. Yeah, well, always complain (laughs) about this team should in no way, shape, or form be hovering around 500 for a whole season. No, but that's again, we'll get to that. Back to Marcus Smart, heart and soul is something that is often discussed with Marcus Smart. How much does Marcus uh, how much does heart and soul get you though, Mullen? We were talking about this earlier. Looking at the NBA Finals champions of recent years, how many of them are really led by a heart and soul guy? Granted Marcus Smart's not Giannis. the leader. You That's have it. Giannis and he's homegrown. And Giannis is freaking Giannis. He's not Marcus Smart. You don't win <laughs> like Dirk 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 Nowitzki was a great one. He was a good heart and soul guy for right. Dallas. He was their guy. Marcus Smart's not the guy, ta- and I think he's and, trying to be. And, and the thing is, those are MVP caliber. M- yes. No, not even MVP caliber. Actual NBA MVPs yes. of the league. Dirk Nowitzki and Giannis Antetokounmpo are both MVPs and yes. they won championships. Yes. Marcus Smart hasn't even sniffed an all-star game. He got one all-NBA first team. That's it. Yes. That's all. Well, and that's the thing is he's trying to be that guy. He wants to be the facilitator here, but he's not. Right. He thinks he's the longest tenured Celtic. He is on the he's the longest tenured Celtic. He's been with the team the longest. Obviously, the oldest Celtic would be Don't Al care. Horford. How, how, Nobody cares though. That's how how long of a tenured Celtic or how long of a tenured net is Kevin Durant? Well, Kyrie, and, and they James run Harden. the team. Exactly. That's this is the point. Who cares? Where it's ta- it's a talent league. It's a talent league and you win by having talent. And if Marcus Smart is in your big three, your big three sucks, yeah. frankly. Your big three does suck. I, I mean, mean, you thought Schroeder would be the, the guy. Thing, and the thing is, I don't even necessarily – we need a big three for now. Well, it felt like last year – correct me if I'm wrong here. It felt like last year in the NBA, it was duos. Yeah. You had Paul George yep. and Kawhi, LeBron and AD. You had even M- like – Middleton and Giannis. Middleton and Giannis, exactly. And then when James Harden, Kyrie – and KD all teamed up in Brooklyn. It's like, all right, that now there's trios. Out. With the Lakers trying to get their trio with Russ, AD, and LeBron, that hasn't worked out well at all. Exactly. And, and none, of, none of these are working out. The only, the only actual trio that worked out, the only reason it worked out was because um, a one guy took a, a, another step up from a previous year before. I'm talking about the Suns. DeAndre Ayton took that next step. And that's, that, well, that's a great guy. point. I like how you break up, bring up the Suns because the Suns, in many ways, are comparable to the Celtics. You didn't get, well, <laughs> if the Celtics got Chris Paul and all, he would be the greatest guy. Yeah. I was all on uh, um, Lonzo Ball to get him to be our point guard. They got Schroeder. I was fine with Schroeder on the cheap deal. He should have gotten paid a lot more, and mm-hmm. he will get paid next year. Even though he's been inconsistent, people need guards, and he will get paid. The thing, the thing is with the Suns is that um, 
the reason why they they're not the Celtics at, at this point in this stage of their they've been to a final uh, the, not even that I'm just talking about how their team works DeAndre Ayton isn't a just like you know oh I'm just gonna score score at will I meant one more of those kind in of terms scores. of homegrown talent well no yeah that's that's what I mean the reason why Chris Paul going there works and that whole thing works and the Celtics can't quite do that is because we have two Devin Bookers. We don't have a the Devin big. Booker and a Joel Embiid. Well, that's type the thing is the Celtics, and then a, a facilitator. Like they, they have three different components that all all do different things and all complement each other. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can work if you have a Chris Paul. It might be able to work. Well, that was the thing. But is they, stu- they've always lacked the guard. You know, yeah. we brought the bring in Kemba. Kemba was supposed to be part of it. Guy couldn't stay healthy. Chronic knee issues. You haven't had a good guard in how long? I mean, Isaiah Thomas was fifth in MVP candidate in 2016, MVP don't, voting. Don't get me wrong. I think Marcus Smart would be fine as a fourth guy. But he doesn't being know his role. He, he doesn't, doesn't know he doesn't his know. role. And the thing is, what's making me mad is that this last game, the last few games, he, he I'm pretty sure the previous game they had, he only shot three times. Yes, he had no yes. points. He had seven assists. And, and I that think ran, now, it ran I, through Tatum and Brown. And it, and I, and I think what's happening now is that Marcus Smart knows that they're sick and tired of him shooting, and he doesn't want to get traded. So what he's going to do is do exactly what they want him to do. Brad Stevens, do not get fooled because of a week or two or even a month. Well, that's even the thing. Three that's, months, that's a concerning even, thing, though. Even four months that's a concerning of them thing. doing good. Because that's Brad's guy. Yeah. Brad loves exactly. Marcus Smart. I don't care if they do good for the rest of the year. Hell, they could go on to a run and make like the – Five, five, fifth or fourth seed, even the three seed. I don't care where they are this year. Trade Marcus. It has to happen. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say happen. it's that urgent. I. You know, I don't. If if he learned, if it, he was only, and and now that he's been here that long and he still doesn't know his role, I mean, it's a little concerning. Is he ever going to get his role? I don't know. Only I don't think that it's guy, urgent to trade that. That guy you can find around, across the league, and you don't have to pay him nineteen million dollars. That's the only reason. And if you get rid of him. You're, you dump even if you don't try to trade Dennis Schroeder this year, you dump Dennis well, Schroeder's contract after the season. Well, I think you have, to, you have to trade Dennis Schroeder this year. You have to get value out of that. That is a steal. Well, no, 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 no. If you if you can get value for him, of course, trade him. But you don't. If you trade Marcus Smart, you don't really need to. You just got rid of twenty million dollars off your. Yeah, off but your I'm books. not even. I wouldn't even be worried. Brunson, I wouldn't even be worried about the Dennis Schroeder money. He's not making a ton of money. What I worry about is that well, no, you the, have this the guy reason, the only on a cheap keep... deal. Trade him and get value. Get a guard. Trade, he should be gone. And I think Dennis Schroeder's been good. But, I mean, this complete side note, a guy wearing number 71 is not sticking around for a yeah. long time as a point guard. Yeah. That's besides the point. But it's just you get value out of that guy now. The Celtics, I mean, we can admit, call me a green team or all you want, but they – and this is going to caught – like you guys are going to be like, wow, he's saying this? Yeah, I'm saying this. The Celtics are nowhere close to the finals. They're nowhere close. They've been hovering around 500. The thing is they're not close – but they have the talent yes, and the components but, to be but close. But they're not close this year. Yeah. Dennis Schroeder helps you this year. You're probably not going to get him back next year. He's going to get more money. Here, here's trade thing, his ass. Here's the thing with de- trading Dennis Schroeder. If you're trading Dennis Schroeder, you kind of have to trade Marcus Smart, too, because what are you going to get for Dennis Schroeder? Well, you're, they never play gonna, together, though. You, well, no, but I'm not even That's talking about— That Schroeder and Smart sucks. I'm, no, I'm only talking about uh, salary-wise. Because what, what but you, Dennis Schroeder's only making like $8 million. I know, but what are you going to get back? Are you gonna get? Because you're, you're not gonna. If you trade for picks, I don't want the trade. I don't want it. I, I I I don't want any picks. I want players that can help now, and players that can help now that are good are going to be making 
a lot more than Dennis Schroeder. If you're going to trade Dennis Schroeder, you're going to have to trade Marcus Smart too to make the money fit. And I'm fine with trading both of those players. The re- that's the reason why I want – I think Marcus Smart trade is um, more urgent than a Dennis Schroeder trade because of how much money he's making. And if you can trade Marcus Smart for a guy like Jalen Brunson who's making no money and his uh, values or his, uh, his salary has gone after this season along with Dennis Schroeder – you have roughly a max spot. You know, you can twist around the money during the offseason, but you basically have a, a max spot open for this offseason, whoever you want to get, whatever well, guy you want to get. Well, you got to remember, next year, uh, Jalen will have two more years left on his deal. J.F. Tatum, you're going to have to pay Jalen eventually and Jason, and you got to keep these guys happy. But g- give me a two year window. If you can get a free agent, give me that two year window. I'm fine with the two. Bradley Beal's a free agent after this season. I don't think we should bring in Bradley Beal with these three. But, you know, guys like that. Would you move Jalen Brown to take in Bradley Beal? If, I, I, if he was, you know, if I could get him for a few more years onto it, like if it wasn't just a one year rental, because Bradley Beal is a one year rental if you trade for him right now. Um, I just don't see them doing that. But would I do it? I mean, yes, but it doesn't. It, it's more of a long term thing than a short term. Long yeah. lo- long term, I'm meaning like a five year championship run where I could trade Jalen. Br- that's the thing. If I'm trading for Bradley Beal, I'm also trading Marcus Smart. That's why I think Marcus Smart has to go now. Because the only way that Jalen Brown trade for Bradley Beal makes sense is if you can bring in another guy. You can't bring in another guy if you're paying Marcus Smart. And then that's why I want. I also want to keep Jalen Brown because I'd rather keep Jalen Brown for two years for $20 million than bring in Bradley Beal for like 30 35 maybe even $40 million, which is probably what he's going to be asking for and could get on the market. Well, let's look at the cap percentages that we have on the books right now for the Celtics. Jaylen, uh, Jason Tatum, 20%. Mm-hmm. Al Horford. Nineteen point three seven. He's off the books after this season. After as well. this season, though. So the, right now, which it's kind of exactly. So, ne- so next year, you're gonna let go of Schroeder and Horford, the guys you brought in. This was the. I think these are ultimate bridge moves. Like you bring in Al Horford. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hated that move from the beginning. I just think, you know, Marcus Smart. And here's the thing that Marcus Smart, like heart and soul, he's soft. Mm-hmm. He, Kyrie steps on lucky. Nobody does anything. You yeah. do that in the old NBA. And there's heads coming off. Yeah, you don't get away. You get away with that stuff now, especially in Boston. It's sad. It's it's actually disgusting. Al Horford backstabs you. You're in the heat. This is when I don't consider it much of a rivalry, but Sixers Celtics. Yeah, this is when they're trying to establish a rivalry. Al Horford leaves you and says, "Screw you! I'm going to play with Simmons and Embiid." And you bring him back with open arms. You're excited this guy's back. That also was more about the bag. Than it, it was, was, but still, the team as a veteran though. And then he goes there and sucks. As you, Al Horford wanted to be the veteran leader here. He wanted to be the leader and never did it. He was never vocal enough. He let Kyrie, just like all the rest of them, walk all over him because he's not one of those. He, he's more of a lead by. Well, maybe grow a pair. Is. If you want to be the he, guy, he's, he, well, he, I don't think he ever wanted to be. I think he just like he just wanted to play, lead by example, teach the younger guys. You know, all right, this is how you should play. You got to play as a team. This, that, and the third. I think he's more of a complimentary guy with another vocal guy. He's not really a vocal like he's not a good enough talent to be one of the vocal guys. Like, if you're gonna be a vocal guy in the NBA and be one of the vocal leaders on the team, you have to back it up with your play. And that's also why Marcus Smart 
sucks on this team because he's a vocal leader in the locker room. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown looking at this dude is like, why the hell am I listening to this guy? Like he, he, he shoots like 11 threes a game and makes like two of them. Like I'm not going to listen to this guy. So we're looking more into the contracts here as we talk about trade deadlines. Always going to talk about the nerdy stuff around here. Jason Tatum, he's on the books until 2026. He's on the uh, the rookie max deal. Yep. So he signed the max deal. So he's good till 2026. Al Horford, 2023. You got to let him go. I wouldn't hang on to him. Uh, Jalen Brown, 2024. So you'll have two more years with Jalen Brown. He's going to be one you have to pay. I wouldn't take the risk and going in not having him locked up his final year. You have to have him locked up going into his final season with the Celtics. Uh, Marcus Smart, he's here till 2026. It would have to be a trade to get him out. And I would like the Brunson idea. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate moving on from Marcus Smart. Here's If I'm running the Celtics, here's my plan. Uh, Keep Schroeder for the rest of the year. I'm fine with it. If you can trade Marcus Smart now. Trade Marcus because I'm, I'm not I'm not thinking of getting value. The, the value thing isn't for me because of the free agency coming up. You trade Marcus Smart. You, you let Al Horford go. That's a, basically a max slot alone with those two salaries off your books. Dennis Schroeder, off your books. You, have, you now have a max slot and more money even after that to bring in a guy for the Celtics. But we can discuss whoever it is afterwards, but you have a max guy and you have money All left right, well, over. Well, let's, let's look at who will be gone next season for the Celtics. So we'll have Ennis Freedom gone. Thank goodness. Yeah, He's just more of a distraction. And one thing that really irks me about him is when every time they do the anthem before the game, he stands under the basket away from the team like and just makes it about yeah, himself. It's, just... it's like... It's not even about being good. Like you're not he's, good he's, enough to do that. It's just, just like don't make it about yourself. He's dude. just a meme. I don't even want to. Like he's gonna go. So Ennis Cantor gone. They just brought back PJ Dozier. We'll see how much him and Bo Bo play. Bo Bo and PJ yeah. Dozier done next year. Uh, Bruno Fernando obviously uh, done next year. Dennis Schroeder gone next year. Only on the books for eight uh, five million five point eight million. Excuse me. So we'll see what happens there. Robert Williams, who is key. And Jason Tatum loves Robert Williams. They all love Robert Williams. All of them love yeah. playing with Robert Williams. He's no, such why? an addition. He doesn't, he doesn't take that many shots, and he gets rebounds and blocks. He's a hustler. He, yeah, he's 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 doing what Marcus Smart should be doing at just but just at his position. We got Robert Williams on the books till twenty twenty six. So that's a very team friendly deal too. Average mm-hmm. salary of just twelve million. So that's a good thing that we got him locked up. Peyton Pritchard, I don't see him sticking around. I don't think he's going to develop into the guard they want him to be. He's yeah. up in twenty twenty four. I mean. When you, when, big thing you need your, to do is get head, veterans though, in here. But in your head, when you're talking about bringing in a free agent, what position are you thinking? Where are you thinking? What first comes to mind? There's two that come to mind to me. Guard. Guard, exactly. Point guard, and then I would think start thinking center second. I don't think Peyton Pritchard will ever get the opportunity to be that guy. Like, he'll never – he even this year, he doesn't see a ton of minutes. In his minutes, he's productive, but I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity to be that guy. Looking more, Grant Williams. Yeah, actually, Grant Williams – Strictly for his corner three shootings. Is Cat a free agent this year? Uh, I would have to check on that. I would have to check on that. Well, you know, he's one that's always linked to the Celtics. It's I feel like Cat is always. Imagine him, you have Cat. Him and but, Robert Williams running the paint. I would love that because you can teach. But that's big money. That's can, big money, and you gotta get Jalen Brown. It doesn't. You won't get all three. You don't get. You don't via trade at least. You're not bringing in an all star really any like any notable great player without trading Jalen Brown. Or Jason Tatum, which well, 
but you, like I said, if you get Marcus, you're getting Marcus Smart and Al Horford off the books. That, that's a max slot. Well, right Horford's there. not until 2023, so he got one more What's, year, <sighs> and Marcus Smart won't be till 2026. So that's the thing, and you'll still have some dead cap there, most likely. I would just trade Al Horford and give them like two first round picks, and then just have them eat salary for a rebuilding team. Get, give them. What you could what you could do is trade for well uh, average average Al at the beginning of the season was one of their best players I, and they need Al, the bigs Al Horford for like Miles Turner and you give him like oh we, no no two, I think two first, I, I think Miles Turner first, is sick first. of the Celtics this guy is they've had so many chances to bring this guy in and just fumbled it each time well, well the thing the, well, the thing about the trade is like you would take in fifteen million get rid of you know twenty whatever whatever Al Horford's making you give him like two first I feel like they would take that have them eat Al Horford's salary. And they well, get two that's first a, round Well, that's picks. the thing. is that If there's any team to target in terms of trying to eat things and giving them picks, it's the Pacers. You know, they said they'd exactly. move Turner, Sabonis. They're, move, they're open to moving some of their stars. We'll see if they end up doing it. The Pacers were just – that team would always sneak into the playoffs and just get swept in the first round. Right. And now it's just they suck. And they have to blow it up and restart from the beginning and – We'll see what they end up doing. I mean, we'll see if they shy away from any of those big-name guys. Cat's got two years remaining. So he's got contract, two years. So, so that, that's going to have to have to be a trade. So I And you don't, you don't bring in an all-star without trading Jalen or Jason, and that's the thing. Yeah, I, no. There's no way you bring in an all-star without bringing and trading saying, one of those. And I was saying we could, like, sign him. And honestly, <laughs> I mean, you heard Ime Udoka earlier um, on the, when he said that Brad's phone's been off the hook. I, I don't really buy it. I don't see this guy making a ton of moves. I mean, we jokingly called him Trader Brad at the beginning of the show um, with, like, you know, because he brought in Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier. Brought P.J. Dozier back to Boston. There's a reason the guy was gone. It's right. just I, I don't see Brad having the stones to make big moves. I really don't. Is Marcus, Marcus Smart's a big move in his eyes, but in the rest of, <laughs> the, rest of the league, that's not a big move. Well, that's it's just a big a, move that, in that, his that's eyes because that's his guy. That, that's, yeah, that's just getting rid of salary for a guy like Jalen Brunson. I, I, I don't like, think the I'm Marcus, not, tra- Marcus Smart trade is as imminent as you make it sound. I, we just need to get rid of his contract because we have to, we have to be his able to have – His contract's rather team-friendly. Not $20 million a year for a guy like that? No, that's not team-friendly. Robert Williams is team-friendly. Robert Williams has more – like a lot more value than Marcus Smart does on this team, and he's making twelve. Marcus, I'm trying to pull up the Marcus Smart contract here. Yeah, Marcus Smart's contract, about it's like 19, yeah, 19, 19 million a year, so twenty mil. I guess, yeah, I guess you'd want to get that off the books. I guess it's not as team friendly yeah, as that. I, I, after I looked can, at it again, it's not. I, I stand corrected. It was not as team friendly as I thought. But yeah, it's like and when they gave him that contract, I was at work with one of our buddies, Brian, and I just, I, I, I just stopped work and I was like, I. Can't believe we just gave him that contract. You had you had him off the team. He wasn't. You, you didn't have to give him the extension. He was in free agency. You were you were done with him. He was off the books. You were done with Marcus Smart, and that was it. And you gave him that contract, and I was well. Like, you know, I, I used to be the biggest I Marcus Smart it. guy, and it's just kind of even even you. He Terp was the biggest Marcus Smart guy, along with a lot of our friends, saying who's the heart and soul, all this. And I kept saying to him, I was like, heart and soul does not matter in the. Well, NBA. it's just the thing is, it's like. I thought he would take the next step, be a leader. Like, the Celtics need a bona fide leader. They don't have it, one, and they it haven't has, it had one. It has to be Tatum. That's the thing. People don't but he realize. Does, he shies people, away from it. People, people don't realize that being the leader, you have to be the best player or the second best player 
on the team to be a leader. You can't be a leader if you're the third or fourth guy. It doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. LeBron, LeBron was the guy on the Heat, but Dwayne Wade was the leader, and that's fine because Dwayne Wade's all-time you know Hall of Fame. Well, that guy. could be like that can be like Tatum and Brown if they can make it work, and yep. that's the thing. And we'll get into this. We got to take a quick oh. break, so we'll get into this on the other side. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but can Tatum and Brown play together? More on the Celtics coming up next. You're listening to the Red Line Podcast right here from CSB Media Arts Center. Jalen also said you and him talked after the New York loss and just kind of cleared everything out. Not to, you know, I don't know what you had to, had to clear, but just kind of got some things straight. How was that conversation? It was good. Um, I mean, obviously, we live in a world where, you know, we on our phones and on TV and, you know, we see all the things about we can't play together and, you know, everybody in the media is saying that, you know, one of us got to go. And, you know, we just had to talk about, you know, we both want to be here and we both want to figure it out uh, because um, there's it's, it's not many players in a league, you know, like JB, yeah. you know. Um, the, the grass ain't always greener. And we've had some great stretches. And, you know, I think just this year is, hasn't been what we – um, expect it, but I think is I think in the long run it'd be good for us. You know we gotta figure some things out, but I think the most important thing is we both want uh, we both want it extremely bad, and um, we want to try to figure it out together. And so for us to just be on the same page, I think um, is extremely important because knowing that you know we got each other back and you know we gonna give it all we got to try to figure this out. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, what people may say. All right. That was Jason Tatum following the Celtics 115-108 loss earlier this month on January 6th. But some encouraging words with him and Jalen Brown. They both want it, and they want it bad, and they talked it out. So maybe there was some internal problems that we weren't really seeing, but they – Talked it out and um, seems to be better now. Yeah, especially these past two games, you know. Um, Tatum with his 51. 51, right, yes. 51 point game against the Wizards. And then, you know, that huge blowout win, 53 point win against uh, the Sacramento Kings. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, oh, like, it's just the Sacramento Kings. But to beat any NBA team, you, you're not a bad NBA team if you beat any team by 53 points. Like, there's no, like, you know, scrub team in the NBA that's being a last-place team by 53 points. It just doesn't really happen like that. You can be about 20 points, but 53 points, you have to be a relatively good game firing, at, a good team firing at all cylinders to be able to beat a team by 53 points. And I think um, they're finally gelling a little bit better, but um, as far as the big picture, picture goes of him, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, working together, I think it's going to be have to be more of either Tatum has to take over and be the guy who's calling the shots, or it has to be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both as co-leaders, and they have to understand that they, have, they both have to be co-leaders on the team, not necessarily stepping on each other's toes uh, as far as making calls, but discussing after every game what needs to be done, and then in the locker room uh, reflecting that to the team 
and saying we need to do this, that, and the third in order to be better as a team. In order for them to be successful, they're going to have to work together. They're going to have to work like McCollum and Lillard do in yeah. Portland, like Braun and AD do. Not even just on the court. But, uh, the well, you know room. what? I don't believe that you have to be best friends off the court to make it work on not, the court. Not even being best friends, just be able to— But you have to be able to be it, civil. You know, it, it, it has to be, um, you know, like parents— Parents, they even even divorced parents, they they don't have to like each other, but they have to be a cohesive unit to know how to uh, raise their child the right way and make sure they have uh, a good life. These two players have to make sure you know their team is firing at all cylinders and make sure everything is fine throughout the whole team and making making sure they can win games together and not get into these huge slumps. And when they do get into these slumps, make sure they can bring them out of it. But you can't – those two can't be butting heads. Other players on the team can butt heads, and they can resolve it. Those two can re- try to resolve it. But those two have to be – definitely just communicate more and be able to lead the team together. Well, you have two All-Stars, both 25 or younger, who have been to, to three Eastern Conference Finals together. They went to three straight Eastern Conference Finals. And almost went to the finals. Almost went to the finals against LeBron in Tatum's rookie year. Twice. They took LeBron and, to and a game against seven. The heat. And against the Heat, yeah. They almost did it. They, they're right there. Yeah. So when people say, In terms like, of talent, at they're least. They're right there. And that's the point. That's what makes the Celtics so frustrating. Yeah. If they weren't this talented, no one would really care. People are like, oh, they're 500. They're going to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, li- listening to us, you think that we don't like the Celtics. We... If you don't, no, complain, you get it. Yeah, it's if frustrating. You, if you don't complain about your team constantly, that that doesn't make the finals and get so close, you're not a real Celtics fan. If you don't complain about their flaws, if you just like you know constantly think like everything's you know smiles and sunshine and happy, like well, your team's it, it not going to get It just makes you even more frustrating when you look down the Eastern Conference standings right now. Miami's number one. That's a team you know you can hang with. Right. They t- they played them strong, tough in the bubble. That team really hasn't. Changed much except for the addition of Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Other than that, not much. It's because they're the thing. The thing is, I think uh, NBA regular season um, those those records are inflated because of you know. Well, there's a lot that factors into it, but playing hard. All you have to do to be a good regular season team, play hard. Well, no, but there's a lot that factors in. But the seeding is important right now. The Celtics are the eight seed, which would put them in the play-in round for the second straight year. Exactly. That's frustrating, and yeah. you look at it. A team like Miami. That's the one seed. You're six and a half games behind them. That's a team you can compete with. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Bulls, I give them a lot of credit. A complete remodel this offseason. DeMar DeRozan has been a stud for them. Right. They had Levine. They've had Levine. They got big booch last year. That's a good team. But they're banged up now. A yeah. team you can beat. A team you can still compete with. I, I think that the Bulls might be, on paper, one of the better teams in the East. But that's a team the Celtics can beat with, given their they got, they inexperience got of, They in the got playoffs. a lot of depth, and uh, all, all their pieces definitely work well together. And this is a team the Celtics can definitely play with, the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's a young yeah. team yeah. that, you know, when you get all these draft picks, they hit on them. So shout mm-hmm. out to Cleveland. They hit on their draft picks. They built that – after Braun and Kyrie left, that team was kind of left out to dry. They hit on their draft picks, and they've kind of picked up. Celtics can hang with Cleveland. The Nets, 29-19. You know that's a good team, but Kyrie's a part-time player. We'll see what happens with Harden. Harden already reportedly not happy there. See if he goes. Why would he be? I don't see. It. I don't see him getting traded this season. But that's the same team that was eliminated last year in the playoffs. This team's supposed to be a super team, and they might not ever win a finals together. 
If, so that the the East is definitely. I'm not they, saying it's wide open. If Harden and Kyrie both leave this season, that is going to be the uh, Paul Most Pierce, embarrassing Paul, Paul Pierce Garnett trade all it'll be over so again. embarrassing. You gave the Rockets your your first round picks and swap picks for the next almost ten years. But it's that lo- is uh, like just just a little off topic about the Celtics. I don't think people understand that that is ten times worse than the the Celtics trade that we had. We 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 had th- two two top three picks, and the Marcus Smart was like the sixth pick. That I can't like o- overstate enough. That is the worst trade, one of the worst trades in sports history. If they you cannot let Harden and Kyrie go, you have to make this work for at least a few more years. Just so, like, just so those picks aren't lottery picks. Those picks become lottery picks or top five, top ten picks. The the Nets are screwed. You have to make this work if you're the well, Nets. Well, and, and you look at continuing down the line here. You got the Sixers at 29 and 19 at five. That's a team two years ago you're brewing a rivalry, and we weren't saying it's a rivalry because the Celtics kicked their ass every game. Yeah. We weren't saying a rivalry now. Now they're better than you. Now mm-hmm. the Sixers, because the Celtics cannot cover a guy like Embiid, and Rob Williams did better against Embiid last time they played. Right. But that's a team that worries me. The Bucks, Celtics always play them tough, but once we get into the playoffs, and I mean Kyrie, if it wasn't for his horrific shooting in that series, maybe we talk about it a little differently. That was a 2019 playoffs, or yeah. what he shot like 13 of 40 or something, whatever yeah, it was. It was horrible, and then he left and he quit because he's a loser. Um, the Raptors. The Hornets, the, you know, these teams all hovering around the Celtics. It's not the talent around them, around the league, because we know the play. Celtics can compete. It's every single freaking game. Ime Udoka comes out and say, our effort wasn't there. We didn't have it in the first quarter. What's the excuse? Yeah. You're a young team. Your oldest player is Al Horford. He's a role player for you. He doesn't play a ton. He'll start some games, but they're they're very they're good with their rotations. I like Ime Udoka's rotations. There's nothing he can do when they're just not shooting. Right. I mean, look at some of the losses they've suffered this year. They can't close it out in the fourth quarter for the life of them. And that's been a problem with the Celtics for they've been, years they've been getting, now. They've been getting, they've getting better, better the past few weeks. But, they, which know, overall, I hope, which I hope yeah. they would get better. It's every single game. They can be up 14 in the fourth quarter. I'll be like, all right, buckle up. Pour yeah. some Hennessy because this is, <laughs> this is going to be long. Like, you need, like, something. Like, it's just – it's frustrating with the Celtics because the talent is there. Mm-hmm. If the talent's there, and this is a team that there no way, shape, or form should be the eighth seed in the East. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Not with the talent they have. And that oftentimes poses the question, and this is why we talk about it so much, can Tatum and Brown play together? I think they can play together. I think they want to play together. But it's just the matter of having um, – a third guy, a guard like Marcus Smart, who can facilitate. Marcus Smart can facilitate when he wants to. He can take five shots a game and nothing more when he wants to, but he doesn't want to because he thinks he's the guy. Last couple of games, he's been cooling down. He's like, all right, maybe I shouldn't take so many shots so I don't get traded. Um, but I'm I'm not going to base what Marcus Smart is going to do for the rest of the season off three games. I'm going to base it off of what he's been doing for the past three, four years. Um, and I think if you're going to have these two guys, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, lead the Celtics, you have to have a guy who is going to be able to pass well to both of them. I think Jason Tatum will be the main facilitator, 
But when Jason Tatum – Jason Tatum can't take the ball up every single time. You're just not going to do that. Um, but if you have a guy that can facilitate, sure. Jalen Brown Jason Tatum can work. It's, it's not about, you know – a lot of the time it's not about how well um, the two gel together when it's two main guys like that. It's more about, you know, can you have a middleman between those two elite talents? That's why, you know, um, that's why uh, DeAndre Aiden and uh, Devin Booker work because you have a guy like Chris Paul who can, you know, throw an alley-oop past DeAndre Aiden but also kick it out and let Devin Booker do work. If you have a guy who can pass it to Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, let them do work, all three of them can start playing off each other because they know that this guy at the guard, a guard position nowadays, they take a lot of shots. If you have a guy at the guard position that isn't going to take away all the shots, they're going to like working with him because they know, all right, this guy isn't going to affect how, you know, how the flow of the game goes. He's not going to take away a lot of my shots. The ball's moving, all that stuff. If you can have that guy, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can totally work. Yeah, I just think they need help. They need the facilitator that they've never had. You've, you know, you try to get it with Kemba, didn't work out. You try to get it with Kyrie and have a big three. Mm-hmm. You try, you missed on your big three in two straight years. One was because he's a nutcase. The other one was because of injuries. And now you got Schroeder in. I don't think he was ever planning to be a part of a big three. I, I think they were going with the two pillars. Yeah. But a tandem like Tatum and Brown is so damn hard to develop that you just can't let it go. Yeah. Where are you without Tatum and Brown? I mean, honestly. Nowhere. The surrounding cast around them hasn't been great. And, and the thing is, it's it's not – I think we need more – the first problem we have with this is that they have too many young guys on the bench that aren't really experienced. Well, draft picks they should have traded, like Tremont Waters rotting on the bench, Romeo Langford, da- who like has a da- plus-minus of, like, negative Danny 34. Only hit, Danny only hit outside of, like, the top – you know, top 10 picks that, you know, those top guys, you know, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, I, mean, I, I would even consider Marcus Smart a, a somewhat, not a No, not he a hit on Marcus Smart. He, he, he's, he's, not, he's not a miss, but he also could have had better guys throw the draft, like, in that draft. Um, regardless, doesn't matter. After that, when you have, like, from 15 to, like, 30 in the second round, anything after that, from 15 to 30 in the first round, you hit on one guy. All those picks that would have been valued for – you know, experienced vets, three-point shooters that you could have had, uh, rebounders you could have had off the bench, defensive guys that you could have had off the bench, experience, vets, NBA players, just nice role players you could have had. You put young guys in because, like, oh, maybe we'll hit on one of them. A lot of those guys just don't end up being, like, being good and be able to play. Well, it's tough with basketball because people got to remember there's only two rounds. Yeah. So when you look at it and you're like, Gershon Yabaselli was a – uh, second round pick, yeah, he was. He was a second yeah. round pick, exactly. That's the last round of the basketball. But you got guys like Tremont Waters, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford. How many young guards are you going to draft that just suck? Yeah. And they took a chance with Romeo Langford. He only played like eight games in college with Oklahoma. I mean, may, may, maybe the uh, the idea of Brad drafting so many guards is like statistical anomaly. Well, where, that that was where, where it's just like, all right, well, maybe if I just draft guards over and over and over again, I'm going to hit on one of them. And, and you can't even Neesmith, but they take. Yeah. Here's what I don't understand. Neesmith's okay, no, but, but like, well, he doesn't have the opportunity to be good. Well, last yeah. year's draft, I don't. Oh, two years ago now, I don't hate. I thought Pritchard was a good pick. 
I think Neesmith was a good pick. I think you brought in two good rookies there. To be fair, you did trade out of Matisse Thibel. You did Thibel. miss on that. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But for what Pritchard did bad. last year was good in his position. But again, I, like I said earlier, I don't think he's ever going to get the role to succeed in the capacity that yeah. he wants to and, quite frankly, deserves to. Been hearing him in uh, get... trade rumors as well, I think. I can uh, see that. Cause, uh, that would make a lot of sense. I forget which team it was, but uh, I re- on record them saying, you know, I think Neesmith would be good if you gave him the the, the chance to – you know, be well, one of those types of The reason shooters. they took Aaron Neesmith it was, was uh, because he was the top. Duncan Robinson, that's what he was going to I was like, Neesmith can be Duncan Robinson? Well, that's like, the thing. Well, yes, because Aaron Neesmith was the top three-point shooter in that draft class. That's right. why they took the chance on him, which makes sense. The team can't shoot threes well. It was also so you COVID take a guy year, that needs three. You take a guy that shoots threes. It was a COVID year, to be fair, with Neesmith. That was the COVID year where he was drafted. In college. Yeah, in college. Yeah, but he was still a good three-point shooter. No, yeah, you, you, yeah, it's still a three-point shooter. I like his hustle, shooter, too. I think like, he's got you know. great hustle. I think he brings energy. One of the very few. You yeah. know, we talked about it earlier. For a bunch of young guys, man, they look like old men out there. Yeah. You know, the, the energy is just not there usually. Rob Williams brings it. I would say Neesmith brings it. Peyton Pritchard will bring it when he gets in. Of course, Marcus Smart brings well, it. Well, what you saw with the Kings game is that when Jason Tatum is engaged and passing the ball – and I don't even care about him just like being the facility, just just be engaged well, and being high effort. That's going to reflect throughout the rest of the team, and the rest after of the team that is game, going to you know act well. After that game, game, Tatum met with the media, and he told the media that that him getting in that three. Remember, he was in that horrible shooting slot, yeah. like didn't hit a three like, in like three uh, like games. Like un, under thirty percent field was goal, like under twenty percent. He was in a terrible shooting terrible. slump. And Probably the worst of his media, career. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to shoot that bad. Yeah, especially when you're Jason. It's, Tatum. it's almost impressive. But they yeah in a bad way. Yeah, and they. They talked to Jason Tatum after the game, the media did, and Jason said that might have been a blessing in disguise because he's getting to the hole. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum plays his best ball when he's attacking the net. Exactly. He's 6'10". Attack the net. Yeah, 6'8". Six, 6'8". Eight. Six, eight. Well, you know what he's listed at. Yeah. 6'10". Yeah. I, I he's probably closer to 6'8". Well, that's all yeah. of them. It's, it's not, it's, that, that's another thing, like, off topic, but these NBA listings of heights. Well, oh, that's everything, that, though. That's cap. That's everything. They listed Kevin Durant at, like, 7' one year. Kevin Durant ain't seven foot. He's like six ten, six eleven, like around. I used to there. knock twenty pounds off my weight when they wrote down our roster <laughs> stuff. What are you? Uh, two hundred, <laughs> two forty, whatever. <laughs> and who's gonna know? You don't pull at the scale. Uh, what, they right. just go around with the clipboard. What's your what's your height? What's your weight? Uh, let's go uh, six foot, two hundred. <laughs> well, pro- probably closer to five uh, five ten, like yeah. two fifty. But hey, it's okay. I mean, five eleven is basically six foot. Might as well be. Well, that's that's why they're rounding up Tatum. I, I just find it hard to believe that Tatum grew two inches in a matter of like a summer. Yeah, it's he, yeah, <laughs> that's, he, he's, that's he's a little six, ridiculous. Eight. He's six eight, but they six list nine. him as six ten. Um, but back to the original topic here. It's just those tandems are so hard to find. I think you have to stick with it. And I, you know what? They showed they can win. They've been to in their on their rookie contracts, three straight conference finals. That's yeah. tough to do in the NBA. It's not easy. Yeah, I feel I feel like that aspect is kind of. I mean, granted, it is in the East, but regardless, I feel like that's undervalued. And um, don't th- forget, them they going were the- to the Eastern Conference Finals so many times and just not being able to get over that hump. And I think that's why I nobody really some, values those Eastern Conference Finals. Some nightmares about those the twenty twenty bubble. Not to mm-hmm. say, well, I, that Eastern Conference Finals game one, that dro- that block by Bam. That, I have nightmares that, that about killed, that. That killed the series. It killed. You know, oftentimes, and people say it often. You know, game one's the most important part of the game of the series. 
They yeah. lost that one, and they were playing catch and it, up. And it wasn't just, the it wasn't the fact that they lost; it was the way they, they lost. Yes, yes, exactly. They just had because if you had lost, you know, you know, uh, maybe you couldn't close out the game or something like that. And you know, you you can bounce back from that. But Tatum just essentially being emasculated in that. In that, yeah. state, he, he tried to dunk on Bam and Bam just swatted, just sent and then it they dropped, right back. They had in his like face. they had like four seconds they had another chance with like four seconds left mm-hmm. and their best shot was like a, a step back three from tatum on the elbow yeah, it, was ta- was it was horrible yeah, it was bad. and that's the thing it's like that's why i was in favor i i liked brad stevens as a coach i wouldn't say i loved him i thought he connected with the players okay i think he started to lose the locker room a little bit last year yeah you know i think there's just too much frustration with one team and i'm not even saying this as a fan of the team the celtics are annoying to watch like there's no reason this team should be 500. I would hate coaching the Celtics. I th- massaging all those egos. I would not like coaching the Celtics. I would, I would love coaching the talent. I would hate coaching, you know, the e- If I was coaching the Celtics, I would just say to Marcus Smart, "Hey, you're not part <laughs> of the big <laughs> remember, three. Remember in 2020 in the bubble, you know, Mark Murphy was yeah. Mark Murphy reported it um my or Gary Washburn, one of the two that Marcus Smart was like throwing chairs. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, dude, you can't be doing that. Like, you got to remember these guys are adults. Like, I would, I would love it if Jason Tatum threw a chair. I would love that. <laughs> I, I, I would where. love, I would love, yeah, I would love that energy out of Jason what if Tatum. Throw it at Jalen. I don't. If they're arguing <laughs> with each other, that's a different story. But if Marcus Smart just throwing a chair, you know, it's like you know we got to be better. Like, yeah, like you know, rah rah rah, like you know, just trying to get the team amped up and like you know show his aggression. Marcus Smart, you have no business doing that. You know why? Because you're not a part of the big three. You're not that guy, pal. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is guy. they don't really have, like, a leader. Where Tatum and Brown yeah. need to step up. But Tatum's another one where he's not really a vocal leader. He's more of a, I'll be out there, I'll let my game speak for myself. He doesn't, you don't see him, well, you see him bitching at the refs. That's about yeah. it. Like, other than that. that, that that's, that's one thing he's got to, uh, well, you got to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I... Well, it's tough because you know Wait. superstars get calls in the NBA, and then, they don't hey, hide that. You, so he was also mad about not making the All NBA All NBA team, and Jimmy Butler made the uh, All NBA team over him one of those years. Yeah. And I was like, "Hey Good. Tatum, you won." Yeah, hey he t- yeah, hey Tatum. Jimmy Butler went to the finals last you year. Win. Maybe if you went to the finals last you'd year, be all NBA. you'd be All exactly. NBA. And that's what these young guys don't get: win the finals, go to the finals, get to that level. You will. The, the accolades will come after. Self-accolades will come afterwards. The All-NBA votes, the All-Star votes, you know, uh, you know MVP uh, race. You will be in those conversations if you get to that level. You just you have to get – the only way you can do that without getting to that level is if you're averaging, like, 30 points per game and, you know, just, like, leading your team to, like, you know, the fifth or sixth seed. Because now the MVP used to be, um, you know, be the three seed and above. Now it's just who's averaging the most points and can you get, like, roughly into the playoffs. And, you know, that's the only way Jason Tate would ever get an MVP, you know, not going to the finals. But this way, you have a good team around you. If you can lead your team to the NBA finals, you will get those votes. You will – like, that's what's the most frustrating thing about, you know, Tatum and Brown. It's like they think – they should be getting calls. They think should be. They they should just. They, they think they're better than they are, and they are tremendous talents. But you have to make that next step in order to get the recognition you should around the league. I agree with that. I agree with that, and I think you know, they need to get everyone on the Celtics just needs to get their head straight yeah. and realize what's going on. But we got to take another break. Coming up next, 
Is this the end for TB12? TBD. Listen to the Red Line podcast right here at CSB. Football is extremely important in my life, and it means a lot to me, and I care a lot about what we're trying to accomplish as a team, and I care a lot about my teammates. And the biggest difference now that I'm older is I have kids now too, you know, and I care about them a lot as well. And, uh, you know, they've been my biggest supporters. My wife is my biggest supporter. You know, it pains her to see me get hit out there. And, um, you know, she deserves what she needs from me as a husband. And my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. And, um, you know, I'm going to spend some time with them and give them what they need because they've really been giving me what I need the last six months to do what I love to do. And, you know, I said this a few years ago, it's, you know, it's a, it's what relationships are all about. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family. And, uh, you know, I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and, and then, uh, you know, figure out in the future what's what's next get it right dog we ain't never left we just move in silence and rep to the death it's official i survived what i've been through y'all got drama the saga continues we ain't going nowhere uh-oh tommy you might be going somewhere and it's not raymond james stadium that's for sure that was tom brady in the let's go podcast with jim gray uh, they do that every Monday. Uh, you ever heard that podcast? You ever listened no, to it? No. The, the only time I've ever heard it was because of this interview. Because of that one? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do an all right job. A ton of yeah. sponsorships. Must be big money. But that was Tom Brady, nonetheless, discussing his future and when he'll think about the process of decompressing. So is that it for TB12? Did we see Tom Brady's last game? And if we did, can he go out on that? Um. I don't think that's his last game, but it could be potentially his last game as a Buccaneer. I would not be surprised. Yes, that's a theory a lot of people are throwing um, out there that, you know, I mean, can you blame the guy? He's 44. I mean, you, 44. Lost, you purely lost that off of end-of-the-game coaching. No, play, it's not, I don't even think it's that. It, it, the play I think calling it goes, at the end. I think it's, no, I, I actually – I don't even think it's that. I think you're 44 years old. You're going there. You just want to kind of live it out. You want to – Live out your career. You want to do it with no problems. You don't want any of the BS that's going on. Probably why he left New England. He was yeah. just sick and tired of the, the the how hard it is here. People say it all the time. Players say it is hard to play in New England. There's a lot of reasons why he left New England, yeah. and I'm sure it's not that simple, but I wouldn't be surprised that that factored in. My thing is everything that went on has to have worn on him. You bring in A.B., yeah. and this whole so- fallout with A.B. happens. From what I heard, I think he um, didn't like – how they handled uh, the whole situation that, um, you know, he wanted to handle the pri- prior to uh, AB leaving the field. Like, there was a lot of other stuff going on. I think they wanted uh, – d- he wanted to deal with it as well, it a- just, as opposed to Bruce Arians, you know, just kicking him off the team. Yeah, it might, like it just – it's going to wear on you. And, you know, Bruce Arians, I mean, the guy just got uh, fined for slapping his own player's helmet. Yeah. The player – a coach hit a player on his own team. It's to, like that stuff to be, wear to on be you. Fair, to be fair, I think NFL players are soft. Uh, they're getting Any soft. professional athlete. Uh, they're getting a lot softer. It's like player hits you on the head. Yeah. A coach hits you on the head. Yeah. Cool. Like you, you get hit in the head. It's like, he's like, hey, don't F up. You know, slap on the head. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doubting it was like. He know. wound up and like slapped him right on the helmet. Did you see the video? 
Oh, there's a video of it. Oh, I, th- yeah, I thought it was video. A short oh, no, no, no. There's a video of it. It was, um, it was. He was pulling him to the sideline. He was trying not to give him a personal foul, and Aaron slapped him on the side of the helmet to get him off the field. It was pretty funny, but <laughs> that kind of stuff's gonna wear on you. You're trying to live out your career, just kind of, you know, show up, just be there, just right. walk through the motions, show yeah. up on Sundays and win the game. But you lose. You have the whole Bruce Arian stuff. You're gonna lose your offensive coordinator and Brian Leftwich, and he's been very. Uh, Tom Brady has spoken very highly of Byron Leftwich throughout his time in Tampa. Do you want to go through a whole nother offense with a right. whole nother coordinator? Bruce Arians had no say in that offense. It's pretty abundantly clear. And Bruce Arians said if Byron Leftwich is to leave, they could have him call the plays. We'll see. I mean, with Leftwich, the only job left that seems available for him would be the Jaguars. Uh, if he's if he's the brave soul to take on that job, then God bless him. I can see Leftwich staying another year in Tampa. I think Tom Brady's decision is going to have – well, first of all, he's going to have to get it clear through Giselle. You heard what he said in that soundbite we played coming right. out. He said it pains her to see me get hit like that. Here's the thing about that whole thing. I, oh, besides the fact that he was the least hit quarterback in the league the last two years? He, yeah, that and also that's more of just he wants Giselle just off his ass. Like he really just like he's like all right yeah no I I really like, I don't think, uh, he 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 said it to make her feel I really don't think so I think like you know his kids are about to go into high school Vivian's a little the, the daughter Vivian's a little younger yeah the rest of like his boys are about to go into high school it's it's, it's the guy's forty four years old and I hope we haven't seen the end of it you look at his stats the guy led the league in completions first of all his team went thirteen and four with the two seed in the NFC in the NFC was pretty good this year. Led the league in completions with 485. He also led the league in attempts, so they're not afraid. He clearly his arm hasn't worn on him at all. He threw the ball 719 times this season, which is actually the most he's thrown it in his career. It's, that's the most he's thrown in his career by a long shot. Mm-hmm. 719 pass attempts. He led the league in yards with 5,316 and led the league in touchdowns with 43. He also led the league in yards per game with 312.7 per game. And an MVP candidate. Did I mention he was 44 years old? Why would he step away? And that's the thing is this is where I'm so torn. It's like I think his family is actually becoming a thing now. Like for years it was like, oh, Brady doesn't seem bothered by the whole thing of missing time with the family and stuff. Well, because when he was in New England, he was much closer to his kids because his, his kids go to high school in New York. Um, or his, Yeah, yeah his, son, his son goes to uh, school in New York. And so, you know, making those trips, you know, hanging out with him, you know, all, all that stuff. Uh, it's kind of difficult, you know, being in Tampa and stuff like that, and it, which in New England, that's a, you know, two and a half hour, three hour flight. Like you're, you're, right. there, you're there in two seconds. You also play there twice a year or you go there once a year, but you, you know, you're yeah, right exactly. there. Exactly. You play them twice a year. So, you know, you fly him down with the Jets. Or, exactly. Well, I'm sure the Jets don't let him on the plane, but when they play the Jets, I'm sure they work something out because it's like, oh. Dad's playing your 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 state your your team. Yeah, like you, so. I don't know. It's one thing uh, our buddy Seamus brought up to me. Um, I honestly think it's a pretty outlandish take, but I think it would be a amazing thing to to happen. Um, Brady running it back one more time, and then uh, <laughs> with, with, with the with, with the Pats. I don't. I don't. That, that, that would I, be I don't hate crazy. the idea. I don't like. I don't, like, I the don't take... hate the idea. I, I, no, no, I, I not that, hate... not that. I hate that idea. That's not going to happen in a million years. No, no, no. I don't hate the idea. Like, I don't hate the idea. I just think it would never happen. No, no. I, I that'll never happen. And I hate the idea strictly because it'd be a one-year rental. 
and yeah, you just ruin your rookie quarterback. Not really. You're learning behind the greatest quarterback of all time for one year. So his, Mac Jones goes ego. from a starter, and he could actually actually has a chance to make the Pro Bowl this year as a reserve, according to Mike Reese. Well, he doesn't have. Well, I mean, he's also a rookie. He doesn't really have any leeway. He's not going to ask for a trade. He knows he's going to be a one year rental. Yeah, but you're going to be upset. It's human nature. You're going to be like. They're going to bring this guy. It's not going to happen. So we're not, we're not even going to waste our breaths on that. It's not going to happen. But what I could see happening is the possibility of Brady leaving Tampa. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, if Brady wants to keep playing, I don't see him moving the whole family up and going. So that's the thing. It's not going to go to, like, L.A. He's not going to go far. It's going to be in the, on the East Coast. Yeah, like, it's going to be a Northeast it's gonna be It's going to be on the East Coast, nor- Northeast, maybe even, like, closer to Tampa, Maybe New Orleans. They don't have a quarterback. We'll see what happens there. If Leftwich takes the job in New Orleans, what if he goes there with Byron Leftwich? He speaks so highly of Leftwich, more highly than any other coach he has. You know, the Bruce Arian stuff, it's like it has to wear on him. Yeah. And if I'm Tom Brady, it, it, it quite frankly, it pisses me off. Yeah. You have a guy like Bruce Arians. It's like he took credit for all that whole team. I mean, Brady recruited think, everybody there. I that think the only like, way he stays in Tampa, and if I'm Tampa – Give him, give Brady, whatever he wants gonna to say. To. There, because if he if he leaves, you're back in the bottom well, third of the league. Who is you're his not. Who is his top target in Tampa, receptions wise? Do you know who it is? Should be Godwin. It or is Chris Brown. Godwin. Yeah, it's Chris Godwin. Who is a what this year? Wide receiver. He's a free agent oh, this free year. Agent. He's a wide uh, receiver every year. Yeah. He's a free agent. No, yeah, this year. I was I was I was confused. They're gonna have to give him the bag. They paid. They tagged him last year. Tore his ACL this year against the Saints in December. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to pay him a lot of money. This team's not going to look the same. Leonard Fournette, uh, Chris Godwin, even a guy like Gronk could hang it up. If Brady comes back, Gronk comes back, no question. But Gronk was asked about it the other day, and it's not nearly as – people just don't really care because Gronk is just like – he just rides Brady. He yeah. rides his coattails, and it's like I mean, Gronk said if he had a side today, he would retire. Yeah. But nobody really cares. It's like we've been through it with this guy way too many times to, like, yeah. quite frankly, like, give a damn. But I think the only way you keep Brady, have Brady run the team. Ha- have oh, he already does. No, no, no. Ha- have Brady fo- fire Arians, have Brady run the team, hire OC, and have him be a player coach, be the, uh, run, run the offense and have a he's defense. He's already doing that. I mean, no, I know, he's, I know he's technically already doing that, but I think if Brady has final say, he is the head coach of the team making final say on like a, lot of these, a lot of these calls, and you just have a defensive coordinator run that defense. That's pretty much all, like an actual, uh, a, a better defensive coordinator. You draft the corner. Go and it wouldn't corner, be. All, all this stuff. That, that's what you need for a Brady to come back. It that's, wouldn't that's be crazy. It's unprecedented. So it sounds crazy coming out of my mouth, and I, I, I feel crazy saying it. It would not be crazy to give this 44-year-old 44 44 quarterback, who's going to be 45 at the start of next season. He turns yeah. 45 in August. So we'll train 45 in training camp. It would not be crazy to pay this guy. Yeah. He's still. A top three quarterback in the NFL. Not, Statistics not, not, don't not lie. Even, not even that. Who? First of all, everyone's who, gonna want to play with them. Too. Yeah. For, first Look of what all, happened with Tampa. Yeah. First of all, who? Who else are you gonna pay f- for you to be your quarterback? Brady leaves, you're irrele- irrelevant again. You're not. Well, this one goes of the for any teams. team, though. So, say Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, and uh, if Aaron Rodgers leaves the Packers, which I can see happening, especially with Nathaniel Hack yeah. going to Denver, he was Packers, uh, the Packers OC with Rodgers. You know, Rodgers. You know, it's a crazy, you know, it's a crazy uh, thing that I just realized. Like, the Packers could be the worst team in that division. Yeah, the absolutely. The Lions could be better than the Packers yeah. next year. And that's what the kind of exciting appeal of the Vikings job is. 
that's still yet to be filled for their head coach. If Rodgers leaves, you're the best team in that division because if Rodgers leaves, so will Devontae Adams. And I think if Rodgers leaves, Devontae Adams will go to uh, Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr. There's always been a mutual thing there. I think Devontae Adams goes to Vegas, and I think Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver. At last year, when Nathaniel Hackett was interviewing for head coaching jobs, Aaron Rodgers called and said, this is the guy for the job. He loves Nathaniel Hackett. He didn't seem he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. So even if Aaron, if Devontae Adams leaves before Rodgers, there's no way he comes back to throw to Alan Lazard, Mark, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, uh, Randall Cobb. Say, Aaron Jones is the, under contract. The only, the only but, thing with Rodgers going to Denver, you're also versing Mahomes and Herbert twice. Mahomes, Herbert, and even Derek Carr if he has. But does if he, he has like? De, if he does has he Devontae like that Adams. competition? Well, that's the, well, that's the thing. Like. If they got loaded that division. With yeah, if, if yeah, if, if Aaron Rodgers goes there, you could be potentially the third or fourth team in that division. They wouldn't be behind Raiders. No way they'd be behind the Raiders. You give him, Dev- you give Derek Carr, Devontae Adams. Why not? Because you'd have Aaron Rodgers with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Jamal, uh, Darren Waller, Williams. Darren excuse Wall- me, Darren Waller and Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro as the slot guy. I mean, that's a pretty insane trio. Well, the, the in whole AFC receivers. West would be loaded, and I'm just – Rodgers is going to have a big decision. I, I can also see him going to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can also be – I, I think the only two reasonable options for Rodgers outside of Green Bay, of course, is Denver and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I don't see him going to New Orleans the or Col- anywhere else. The Colts would be interesting. The Colts would be, would be interesting, but something if, tells if, me if they're going to give Wentz another try. Well, well, the thing is, if you bring in Rodgers – they have enough cap room that they're losing a few players this year. Uh, the, uh, next year is free agency. Um, if you bring in Rodgers, you still have enough cap room to bring in Devontae Adams. If you bring both of them in, I don't think Rodgers and Adams play together outside of Green Bay. I think if that, they if like Adams, they like playing with each other, they lo- yeah, of course because Rodgers they both is get a stud, the ba- but if they both get the bag. Why not? I I don't see a team doing that being able to afford otherwhere elsewhere on the team too it just doesn't make a lot of sense to well, me. well the thing well the thing is they have a lot of the Colts have basically their entire defense well, locked we'll see up what happens on, with the defense because Eberflus just their their uh, defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus just got hired by the Chicago Bears so we'll see what happens there see the, the defense but the thing is the defense at the town they can find a defensive coordinator defensive no but coordinator that's what I'm saying is we'll see what that defense coordinator wants to do with the talent around the defense. They're that gonna, does that stuff does change. Oh well, yeah, it, it it changes, but they you know they they have the talent. I don't think it's really going to matter. The, a lot of the X and X's and O's on the defense really isn't going to make a difference if you have the talent on the team. Obviously, if you have a terrible defensive coordinator and doesn't use any of their players to the strengths, obviously it's going to look different. But I don't think the defense will change that much depending on the defensive coordinator. But uh, and, and like I said, a lot of those guys, Jonathan Taylor's still on his rookie contract. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's gone. Um, Pittman, I believe, is still on his Pittman, rookie yeah, contract. Pittman, yeah. A lot of those defensive players still on the rookie contract. You're not playing a lot of people. Quentin Nelson's still locked up. Um, you got a great contract. offensive line. So yeah, you'll you be protected. Great offensive line. You're going to have protection for Aaron Rodgers. You're going to have two things that Aaron Rodgers really never consistently had his entire career, an offensive line and – uh, defense to back up his offense. If you give him Devontae Adams and Jonathan Taylor, I don't see that, both that's of them a, that's I still don't see any way of them both going there. I think any team that well, Rodgers goes to. I think to, that's the only team that actually, has a cap room. I don't know if I can say it, but like I don't know if I can say this because it's like it might not even be true. Any team Rodgers goes to is a Super Bowl contender. I, I actually take that back because the guy can't win in the conference finals games. Well, yeah, that, so that, any, yeah, any team thing. that Rodgers goes to is a, can, a candidate to go to the conference finals in their respective conference. Here's the thing. Assuming Bill Belichick would ever pay a quarterback, 
would you trade Mac Jones? Not after one year. Not after Mac Jones for, can for do, Aaron Rodgers. No, Mac Jones can do every. Well, first of all, we said it last year. No quarterback's going to want to come here. Why would any quarterback want to come here to throw to Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne? You get excited about that? Do those names lick, make you lick your chops? No. Yeah. You don't want to throw those guys. Oh, and a skeleton of Johnny Smith. Hunter Henry, yeah. All right, you got what? All right, I'll give you Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, and Hunter Henry in like a C class of weapons that people want to throw to. Right. Any quarterback looks at that Patriots roster and say, to hell with that. I don't want to throw those guys. Yeah. I'd rather go somewhere else. I'd rather go to Denver, throw to Jerry Judy, throw to Cortland Sutton, even Tim Patrick, to have Javante Williams as a receiving back. I'd rather go there. I would yeah. rather go there than play for the Patriots. And I think the Patriots would be stupid to bring in a quarterback. It would be ridiculous. It, Mac Jones does what he has to do. Mac Jones wasn't the problem for the Patriots. This no, year. no, no, no. I'm not, so I'm that's not, saying, I'm not people, saying he's the problem. No, I'm saying, but why, why, why do people even bring up these hypotheticals? It shouldn't be a the, thing. Well, the, thi- the thing is, like I said earlier, uh, Mac Jones is a good quarterback. He's a very you good quarterback. You were a 10-win team with a rookie no, quarterback. I know, that's what I'm saying. But he could be a very good quarterback. Um, can he be the A- a plus was class. Was Joe Burrow a very good quarterback last year? Well, no, no but he didn't have Jamar Chase. Oh, so get Mac a, res- a receiver. They get Mac they, a receiver. They, they don't like paying receivers, and that's the thing. Well, draft one. Draft one. Get the kid a receiver. Look at what Joe Burrow. I honestly, I've been seeing the comparisons, and I don't hate them. I don't think they're that far-fetched. Joe Burrow didn't have a great rookie season. Mac Jones' rookie season was probably better than okay, Joe Burrow's. But, but also, Joe Burrow is taller, has all the physical attributes that Mac doesn't have. And I'm saying that, that that's all it is They have for similar arms. They have very similar arms. Joe Burrow's got a much stronger arm. No, no. They have a very – look, he, they're scouting he, he's report. Got, he's, got very, a, he's got a much better – Very similar arms. Yeah. Joe Burrow worked yeah, the, on yeah, it this offseason. Yeah, off the, the scouting report. But, but Joe Burrow much... worked on his arm this offseason. His arm got better this offseason. Mac Jones can do the same thing. Tom House said it – the other day, you know, Tom House, an old baseball pitcher, was the Patriots quarterback's coach, was just a throwing coach. Yeah. And this guy said Mac Jones can absolutely improve his arm, and he also said that Mac Jones does what he has to do, and that's yeah. all he needs to do. Well, he, here's the thing. Um, I just don't know if Mac – all right, let me give you a hypothetical. If you – barring any, like, all the allegations you're dropped, like, oh, all that stuff. If you could get Deshaun Watson for Mac Jones today, would you do it? Of course. I mean, there's quarterbacks that I would trade Mac Jones for, but Mac Jones is on his rookie contract, which is a cheat code in the NFL. Think of all these la- all these recent quarterbacks that have gone to the Super Bowl on their rookie contract or that are good on their rookie quarterback. But those are also generational talents like a Patrick Mahomes. Pat- he- Mac Jones is a Patrick Mahomes. Mac Jones, not saying he is. Mac but Jones right now. You can get Mac Jones right now isn't even on Joe Burrow's level. They won ten win. They went ten. They won ten games with a rookie quarterback and a suspect defense. It was the Boogeyman 2.0. Nothing scary about them. They're just ugly on defense. Yeah. They're ugly. They they're not good on defense. It was the Boogeyman 2.0. That's exactly what the Patriots defense was. They weren't as good as they were as they, people thought they were. Just like they were in 2019. Everyone remember those sweatshirts? The Boogeyman. The Boogeyman. Yeah. The Boogeyman. Yeah, yeah. The defense sucked. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, it's inflated a little bit because you got, like, what, that 45 nothing win against Miami yeah. when Gilmore had the pick six. Then you shut down the Bengals, and they had Gilmore had another touchdown that game. It's like you beat up on bad teams. They were not the boogeymen. They were the bullies. Yeah. And that's what this team was. You beat teams like the Jets. Good. Yeah, you, sh- you beat the Jaguars. Okay. Good. But when it push comes to shove, you have to hold the Bills at – 
in the playoffs, the Bill, they couldn't stop the Bills. The Bills scored on every single not possession. Even, I, I'm, not even mad about, I'm not even mad about that. I'm mad about more. The whole season, they could never get off the field. They can never put the ball back in Mac Jones' hands to see, hey, can Mac Jones drive down this field right now yeah, and win exactly. us this game? So Mac Jones never had the opportunity, so that's why I wouldn't move on from him. But real quick, back, we got to take a break in a minute, so I just want to circle back to the original point with Tom Brady here. Right. I'm so torn. I really am. I think this is going to come down to Giselle and his family. I think he's going to take a couple of weeks. That's what Adam Schefter is saying. He's going to take a couple of weeks. I <laughs> I just don't think it's I, I cannot. No. I would be devastated if he goes. Like, he is still that good. They just His last game, he came back down 27-3, and they lose because the defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, runs a cover zero yeah. against two of the better receivers in the league in Cooper Cup. And who had almost 2,000 receiving yards, and Odell Beckham, who has a resurgence since he went there. You one, ran a cover zero. One thing I did see um, with uh, the whole Brady, you know, team, the whole Brady team, you know, his family were all in the booth, um, or not the booth. They seem they seem like they were having fun in that They're box. They're having fun, and not only that, they brought in, I want to say, his daughter. Or some, I forget which relative or somebody associated with the Brady family. They brought her in from California to see that game. And the a lot one of that goes to US, UCLA that plays softball. Right. Her name's Myra, Maya Brady, I think. My, yeah, it's his, right. it's his and somewhere, yes. Yes. So she was brought in to Tampa. Well, dur- also, also they were playing the Rams. No, no, no. So. But during the school year, if you, go to, uh, if you, if you have you know, the chance to win the Super Bowl, or go to the Super Bowl, which they are, they're the two seed, why wouldn't she just wait to the Super Bowl to see Brady play? Because I think they thought, all right, this is going to be his last game. I think they're going to lose this game. Well, they were playing California, too. Rams are in California. So there's, there's this good, interesting theory. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I never even – I didn't even notice it. They brought, I know the whole, the, they brought the whole Brady Do you family. notice who was there? There was yeah. a fam- familiar face there. Did you know who was in there? Did you notice? No. Uke. Euclid was in there, was in that – Brady box. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're they're related somewhere. But uh, Euclid was in there. He was in the bottom right. It's proven the point. Even what they're bringing, like the whole Brady clan. To, I didn't. I didn't think about it that way. That's, like, a, that's an interesting. If, you, if you're bringing the whole, th- they never bring the. They did bring the they own media family. They they brought the entire group there. Maybe because and it's actually, his last it, game. To thicken it more, the Packers had lost the night before, so. They would have hosted one more game, but I'm assuming it was already booked by then. So I'm assuming the family not, probably not, thought that the Packers were going to win, and that was, hosted, could have been it for Brady's. Not only hosted one more game, like I said, uh, what, what, what was her name? The UCLA? It's like Maya, Myra, one yeah, of the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she goes to UCLA. If the Packers lose and they actually think they're going to win this game, why not just wait till the Super Bowl because you're going to beat the same for, uh, uh, 49ers, you're going to beat the 49ers. Well, you can't take those things for uh, for granted. Yeah, you can't but... take it for granted, but most likely you're, you're, you're going to beat the Niners, to, especially because Brady's versus Jimmy Garoppolo. He was like, I'm not letting this guy that almost kicked me out of New England to beat me. Like, I'm better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm gonna it would have been a hell of a game, but we got to take a break. So, real quick, one word, Brady back, yes or no? Yes. It's torn. Yes. It's tough. It's yes. tough. A reluctant yes. It's tough. And I'm excited to see. I really hope so. I really hope he stays because he is so – damn good well we'll wrap it up here next on the red line podcast someone told me long 
won't be much rain this weekend, but we're looking at like what two, three feet of snow. I would say three. One, one it to says two. twenty-four yeah, plus one, one, inches. One, one to one to two is what I heard. And the thing is, how how is that? Br- how can you report that broad of uh, of falling? No, no, I love the, the like twenty-four there's one, plus. There's one. There's one. <laughs> there's one foot of snow. The the difference between one and two feet of snow is whether or not you're going into work or you're not going into work that day. Twenty-four inches, you're probably not gonna go. Most so jobs, you're not I've gonna go into work. I've seen most of them. It'll be like it'll be like the broad number, like you just said. And now they're just getting lazy. It's just like they scribbled it in red and just go twenty-four plus. Yeah. It's watch like, we not watch. We're not even gonna sniff it. Just watch. Oh my god. Just watch. Hey, I give the meteorologist credit. Oh my god! I let it off at the top of the at the top of the show. I was at the grocery store yesterday. My mother goes, "Can you just go pick up some chips?" I goes, "Yeah, sure." She made some chili. It's good chili, by the way. Right. She goes, "Can you go pick up some chips?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So I go in there, and it was actually this one, um, one of Randolph. I get what it was called. I, was, I drove right by. I was like, "All right, I'll just hop in here." They didn't have no. It was uh, it was where the old uh, Roach Brothers used to be. Right, 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 right. I forget what I, what's I, there I, I, now, but it's, it's where the old Roach Brothers used to be. And I walk in, and the lines out like they're down the line. Like the lines are down the aisles, so you can't navigate it. I'm just grabbing two bags of chips so the family can have dinner because I'm a family man, right? I'm a, I'm grabbing the chips. I'm a, sure. I'm a good man. I'm a good man getting the chips. I forgot about the storm. I didn't even take that into account. Shelf, uh, the freaking so- place didn't have self checkout. So I'm sitting in there with people got like two cards full, and I just got like, they, they, like the world does not end when it snows. I mean, when are people going to understand this? Yeah, you live in New England. Well, here, here's the thing. I, so Saturday, I would have expected it to be more busy because most people go on, go shopping on Saturday. But the fact that it's the snowstorm is happening That's on what I was, I was, Saturday. But it was a everybody, Thursday. everybody. Well, no, but everybody who shops on Saturday is now going to be shopping on Thursday. But everyone just gets excessive amounts of everything. Yeah. Like, like you do not need that much stuff. They, they think it's like the end of the world and, you know, yeah, you're exactly. going to be stuck in your – You're not – You're going to be stuck in your house for, for maybe, maybe, for maybe 12, 12 hours. 12, 12 to 24 <laughs> yeah, hours. Exactly. It makes no sense. It, it's actually quite fascinating. Yeah. It really is. But we wanted to get to this before we uh, – well, too much on the weather. People don't care about the weather. You'll be watching yeah. the TV all weekend. If you're listening to us, letting us be a part of your weekend, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Be sure to subscribe everywhere you get your podcast at yeah, the um, Redline Podcast. Uh, by the way, if you're if for some reason you're not listening uh, and you're not in the Massachusetts area or not in the Northeast area, uh, there's a there's a lot of snow. If you couldn't yes, tell, yes, yes. If you couldn't tell, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of snow. You didn't be a huge snow see storm. it. There's a lot of snow coming. Or if you live under a rock, or I don't know. We're not gonna we're not gonna give a hard time to any of our listeners, but you gotta be pretty dumb to not know the snow's coming. It's all they've been talking about. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of snow coming, but we are done with the snow. We're gonna go back to sports and we're gonna wrap it up with a little bit of a different segment here. Biggest D bags in sports this year. I'll kick it off with number one on my list. Or should we go three to three we'll, to what should we'll, we go? We'll, we'll we'll just go back and forth. in no particular no order. No particular order. All right. Well, this one's a gimme. This one's very easy. Kyrie Irving. The guy a is hole. a notorious a-hole and now is a part-time player in the NBA because he refused to get vaccinated. I'm honestly more disappointed in the uh, the Nets that they gave in. It's like, no, stand your ground. They are letting Do him not let him be a two-way be a part-time player. If you let him be a part-time player, then you give the control all back to Kyrie. If you stand your ground, you're and the, and the thing is they can't stand their ground. Because, no. I, like I said earlier, they need to make this work. 
or else they're gonna look like bozos again. And don't get don't like like I don't I don't hate on people for their views. Everyone has their own views. If you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But what happens if you don't get the vaccine? You get fired. Yeah, exactly. You, the company I, I don't know how it works financially for different companies, but I would assume your salary, you don't get that. You're yeah. not working, you don't get the salary. Same should go for the NBA. I mean, you have all these COVID adaptations and you have guys like Kyrie Irving taking advantage of it. Right. A hole on the list. Always is, and he will continue to be. He's my pick. No particular order, but he's my first one. You go yeah. now. Uh, my first one is uh, Sean McDermott. I mean. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Most like, unlikable coach. He's like, figure. so unlikable. And I think. Since like Rex Ryan. Yeah. He is Rex, Rex Ryan-esque. Um, especially after the Pats beat the uh, Patriots, and he was like, well, you know. Let's not give Bill Belichick more credit than we need to. You know, we need to make more plays, this, that, and the third. I'm like, you got pantsed by Bill Belichick in that game. Granted, you won the next two times, and you had nothing but good things to say about Bill Belichick afterwards. But in loss, you know, you're saying, you know, oh, like, you know. Let's not give Belichick more credit than he deserves. Like uh, He just beat you throwing the ball three times. Yeah, like, <laughs> what like, are you what? talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, it's – it's honestly ridiculous. And this guy just notoriously throughout the season just been like, you know, just an absolute, you know, a-hole to a lot of people, a lot of people during interviews. That's why he's and, on the D-bag list. And, 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 and honestly, it's – um, what's it called? The the, the, the two safeties. Uh, Poyer, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Poyer and Micah Hyde. They, 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 were, they were a-holes for like a few seconds. But honestly, I didn't really blame that on him, them. But I think the coach being an a-hole reflects off the players during that. Tell game. me you saw his post-game interview after that when it gets interrupted Ooh. by Sean McDermott after the Patriots beat the Bills on the Monday night. Yep. He's in the middle of ranting, like totally just like wicked salty they just lost. Yep. Rightfully so, but yep. he's just such an a-hole. It's funny. His interview gets interrupted by a streaker on the field. Did you hear that audio? No. I'm going to pull that up. Give us your number two while I pull it up. All right. Uh, my number two is uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, another vaccine guy along with Kyrie Irving. I don't care that you don't get the vaccine, but you really pulled up with a fake vaccine card trying to play on the, on the uh, field. It's just like, like, come on, guy. Like, what are you doing? You can't, you can't be pulling up with fake vaccine cards just to play football. If you don't get the, if you don't get the vaccine, then fine. Don't get the vaccine. Just follow COVID protocols. Don't get uh, don't get COVID, pretty much. Just follow the protocols. Don't get COVID, and you'll be fine, and you can still play. And if you get COVID, you'll be out for a few weeks, more than you would without the vaccine. It's just like, I, it, not only that, during the offseason, Aaron Rodgers, like, figure it out. Are you? Do you want to request a trade? Do you not want to request a trade? And if you want to stay here, then fully commit and stay here and not just be and – and then, like, he, he just – he just dragged – Well, he just dragged. made himself look like a clown in that. You remember when he goes, I consulted with my now good friend Joe Rogan on the topic <laughs> of the vaccine. You're talking to Joe Rogan about it? I, yeah. I think that was funny. And the fact that he just goes, yeah, I've been immunized. Like, can you just, like – is it yes or no question? People took that very, very right, seriously. Right, right. Like, uh, Dak Prescott cites HIPAA on it. He's like, isn't that HIPAA? Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's not. Just answer the question. It's going to be dead giveaway whether or not you're on the field with a mask or not. Just, just answer the question. Right. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, wait, let's get to this. Uh, let's oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Play, play the sound. Play.
Um, you know, this is we are we are what our record says we are, as they say. Yeah, I mean, we've been inconsistent, and you know, again, opportunities to win the game. Opportunities, opportunities to win the game. So that is uh, Sean McDermott's post-game press conference after yeah, the I Monday didn't. night loss. That I, is hysterical. I didn't remember what you were talking about at first, and I remember hearing that audio a lot after the game. That that that's that's priceless. That is awesome. Like, what's this guy just wandering the field? I will quick quick side tangent. I know we got we only got a couple more minutes. Really quick, I did Buffalo trip uh, Buffalo trip in 2020. So during the COVID year, there was nobody there. Their security is just non-existent. Like I was like, we just yeah. went to see the field. I was just curious. It was right down the street from where we were staying, so I, we took a ride up there. I'm like walking in like the reserve spots and stuff, just looking around, looking through the windows, seeing, looking, looking at the place. Nobody stopped me. Not <laughs> one person stopped me. I could have walked in the field and nobody would have known. So I don't know what's up with the Buffalo security, but that's that. I'll go to my second one here. Right. Another easy one. I feel like I'm taking all the easy ones, but this one's just too easy not to give it. A.B. Yeah. Tom Brady lets you live in his house, brings you to the Bucks, gives you a second chance, and you go out and say he's not your friend. He only likes you to play football. Right. Okay. That's number one. Number two, the Buccaneers are genuinely concerned about your mental health. They tell you they would pay you $200,000 to get your mental health checked. He sues the team for trying to send them to the, quote, clown house. Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're willing to pay for your mental health. You are a, you're a father. You have kids. And the way you act is completely unacceptable. This team willing to pay for you to get checked out. And you're mad that they want to send you to the clown house, in your words. Not even to mention that he uh, left in the middle of a game. Yes. There's just – the list goes on and on with this guy. And then his rap song just promotes it. <laughs> like, oh this God. guy is just like – he quit in the middle of a game, calls out Tom Brady, sues the Bucks, and all this. There's just – he – and there's something wrong with him. He's not, not hinged correctly, but uh, A.B., another D-bag. Another class a-hole right there. Who you got for your final one? Final one, not a player, but a uh, commentator. A D-bag nonetheless? Yeah, D-bag nonetheless. Colin Cowherd. I won't yes. even say that he is just you know rude, anything like that. Any of these other guys are on the list. He is just, he's really, really dumb. A lot of his takes are just, I mean... It, they, they just they just frustrate the hell out of me. He's saying already, uh, like in, in his in his takes change week by week. He never sticks with any of his takes. He's saying like, oh, like at the beginning of the season, Bill Belichick, you know the Patriots, like they're you know they they have something here. This and the third, and then now the season's over, and now he's saying, oh, no, trade Mac Jones. One, my best one, my favorite one rather from Colin Cowherd. Um, he said when Mac Jones was drafted that it wasn't going to work out. Mm -hmm. And then after the winning streak, he goes back and goes, Mac Jones is the real deal. Get ready, folks, because Mac Jones is it. Yep. Like total flip-flop. And, the and, the, and, the, and then now at the end of the season, he's like, oh, you got to have to trade Mac Jones. Like th 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 there's no other uh, way this team can go forward. And he's got you got to trade Mac Jones. And it's like I used to like Colin Coward. I, I liked a lot of his takes. Um, 
but recently not so it's much just, anymore. It's, it's just the they're just getting worse and worse and worse as he gets older and older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he, yeah. He, I wouldn't like, even blame age. I would just blame stupidity. Yeah. Joyce needs to take over, man. <laughs> my my final one before we get out of here, and this is another one. It's I'm more of a national player, a guy coming out of Duke who already had a reputation for being a dirty player for tripping people. Yep. Well, he just continues to be a criminal. That would be Grayson Allen. He is a dangerous human. He yep. needs to be behind bars. He is in a like in a he he should be charged with assault and battery. The most, amount of times he tries to trip and hurt people. Most guards most like, recently. Most guards like breaking ankles. He like breaking arms. The other night on national television, this was on ESPN. It was the Bucks taking on the Bulls. He fractured Alex Caruso's wrist, and he will now have surgery and miss six to eight weeks because. Alex Russo on a fast break drove to the lane, yep. and Grayson Allen mauled the guy. A, like the criminal charges, like yeah. the guy. Well, how this guy behaves and how this guy acts is not okay. And shame on the NBA that he only got one game. This guy has a violent history. Like how many players? Because you have to try to hurt and trip and injure. Like this guy is now out six to eight weeks during the Bulls' crucial yeah. run. The Bulls are right in the thick of things in the East, and now you're without Caruso, who's done a great job for them this year. That guy is dangerous. He is a dangerous human being and needs to go. Major League A-hole. Like, he actually might be the biggest one. Like, you know, I know A-B's up there, but A-B, you know, you can give him the pass because it seems like there's something going on there that's not right. One guy I did just think of that might take the cake over, Grayson Allen, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, uh, it was more – It was off the field, though. It was more like – no, I'm not. I don't care about on the. I don't care about on the. Most people like really aren't on the field a holes. Off the field, Tyreek Hill, you are in a allegedly broke his kid's arm. My my take. I I, I think he probably did. Yes. Um. And there's audio of him yelling at his wife and saying, you know, she's saying he's like she's saying, oh look at your kid. You know he's scared of you. Tyreek Hill's yeah, and you should be too. You're you're a dick. Well, there's a lot of them. There's you're, a lot of those. And he's still in the league, and he doesn't. I don't. At least give him a suspension, anything like that. Yeah, for the, and the they whole just, they, kid thing that he didn't they, get suspended. I mean, the Tom Brady got suspended for four games for, for deflating a fo- allegedly no, knowing alleged, about deflating allegedly exactly. knowing about deflating footballs yep. and yep. Uh, was never fully proven. And he got four games. I mean, that audio alone should get you suspended at least for one game, not just just. One or Maybe two. we make this a little new segment because this is this is good. There's a plenty of them. I honestly focus mine on more on the court and on the field type of stuff, like with right. with AB. Everything he did was pretty I mean, much in in the it had it pertained to the organization. Right. Grayson right. Allen is just dangerous. Like that guy has got to go. Yeah. But that'll just about do it for us, Mullen. First day in the studio for you. What'd you think? Uh it's, it's nice being here. It's nice being in like a more uh, professional studio. A lot of the times when I was recording with Seamus, you know, we were doing it over, you know, uh, a phone app, like on, on, on the podcast uh, with like, you know, uh, iPhone, iPhone mics and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it was hard to, you know, record overlapping and stuff like that. Right here, we're live. We're, we're right in front of each other. There's not a lot of mistakes uh, that can be made, you know, when you're a professional studio. But it's, so it's a lot cleaner. It's great being back just recording, um, you know, getting all the, the, the steam I have, yep. you know, all, all, every every take that I have out. Um, yeah, it's good to be back. It is. It was fun, and we appreciate you guys for listening. If you missed anything, 
can always rewind and get us on anywhere you find your podcast. So give us a listen, give us a subscribe. You can follow me on Instagram at Justin.Turpin on Twitter at Justin M. Turpin. And go ahead and plug your socials, Matty T. Uh, well, uh, Redline 617. That's Redline our Sports 617. Yeah, yep. Redline Sports 617. That's our Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is. You don't know I, off the top I, of his head. I, I, I think it's Matty T. Mullen. I yeah, think I, I got, yeah, it's just Matty T. Mullen. I, I M- thought so. M A T T I E underscore T underscore Mullen. Um, I have a Twitter, but I don't post on it. I, I had to make a new Twitter actually because, uh, my old one, I couldn't like link up my email. You I were liking like... too much porn on it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we appreciate you guys for listening. Again, if you missed anything on demand, anywhere you find your podcast, we'll talk to you guys soon. We're out. Peace. Peace.